I saw an undiscovered creature climbing on the mountainside. Welcome everyone to All About All Elite for the week of March 9th, 2019. While you may have been busy this week listening to Bruce Pritchard talk about how he has not, in fact, had an affair with Stephanie McMahon, we were busy coming up with everything that is urgent in the world of AEW, of NWA, and Marty Skrull's journey, and of course, bringing you the best of MLW, the Legacy Series. This week, we will talk about Jim Ross. And his departure from WWE, the rumor is he will sign a multi-year deal with AEW. Another wrestler will be at the crossroads of the Convince Me segment. And beginning this week, Miss Fan and I will begin to build a vocabulary for what we want in a wrestling promotion. Welcome again to our show. I am the LOP Mystic, a.k.a. your one-man hype band, and I am joined by my friend and co-host, by God, my learned colleague, Mr. Mizfan, the brain. Greetings, Mizfan fans. It is a very exciting week for All About All Elite. Hopefully the show is coming to you at the right time. Uh, last week, I know it went up a day late due to uh, some technical issues, but... Hopefully it will not happen this time because it's going to be so great and I want everyone to hear it just as soon as possible. We got lots to talk about, so let's jump right into it. Absolutely. And one day we will also be on the actual main page of Lord of the Pain, which reminds <laughs> me I need to check my email again to see if I have an email because we are trying to get onto that page where we belong. We are working on it. We will do it. But right now we begin where we should begin this week. And that is a rest in peace mm. to Luke Perry, rest in peace to King Kong Bundy. It was a week of loss in the wrestling world and the entertainment world at large. Uh, Ms. Van and I, some of you might know, and you can go back and check the tape, so to speak, because they are online. Uh, we began WWF, the Legacy Series, did about a year or so of it. Uh, we covered King Kong Bundy and Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania 2, covered uh, Saturday night's main events where King Kong Bundy put a hurting on Hulk Hogan. So we have been there. We have talked about it. Rest in peace to both of these guys. Absolutely so. Uh, Luke Perry, honestly, a guy I'm not really familiar with. I haven't watched his shows uh, that much, but uh, it is relevant, of course. Because, yeah, he is the father of uh, Jungle Boy, who's been signed to AEW. And it's relevant because he's a human being, and he died yeah. at the age of only 52, oh. which is really sad. Um, I mean, uh, I can't, like, both my parents are much older than 52 at this yeah. point. I can't imagine having lost them at that point in my life. So that's that's very tough. My heart definitely goes out to uh, everyone affected by that. King Kong Bundy, yeah, that's a real, per more personal heartbreaker for me uh when doing those years in the heenan series i was tremendously uh impressed by the uh the the speed of king kong bundy by his uh sense of urgency by his skill on the microphone a lot of things which are not part of the narrative um and uh yeah i, I think it's very sad that he was sort of uh pushed out of the scene due to some internal conflicts but man when he was on that warpath he was doing a great job and i know some people even only discovered him when he was in the, what was it, the million dollar corporation. Yeah, yep, and even yep. then, even then with like nothing behind him, even then people were still becoming fans of this guy. So much, much credit to a great man. Very sad that he has passed away. 
Yeah, and we will eventually one day, perhaps, uh, if if the good Lord permits, if time permits, if life permits, <laughs> as what we're talking about, so. you know, cover that 1995. I I back then I wanted, of course, Lex Luger to be more of a world champion than a mid card jobber, and I also wanted King Kong Bundy to mean more than he did. And I used to fantasize as a as a as a lad. I used to fantasize about a Lex Luger King Kong Bundy match at that time that actually oh, mattered. Oh man, yeah, that'd be something. I, I wonder if he could have racked him. I bet he could have. God, that would have been a it would have been a haul. But between Luger and King Kong Bundy, they could have got it done just like King Kong Bundy got it done when he laid the smackdown on Hulk Hogan, yep. busted up them ribs. The man who required a five count. That's that's that by itself is legendary stuff. Hell yeah, absolutely. Um, I will also say I have watched a little bit of Luke Perry, but the thing, the thing that saddens me is Luke Perry is um, absolutely a wrestling fan. He is um, mm-hmm. someone who would, you know, go to the shows, and he is someone who helped uh, get Jungle Boy into, um, you know, that interest and all. So I think we probably would have seen some really cool stuff, you know. And it's just these things, you know, that. Ah man, I'm I'm looking at the wrestling world and and who do I have my eyes on? Who are some of the people that I'm most excited about? I can't say Jungle Boy is one of them because I haven't really watched him, but Brian Pillman Jr. is one. Sure, you know, and I want him to do well, and I love hearing him talk about how so many people talk to him about his dad, but he didn't really know his dad. So it's an interesting thing that he, you know I I have a few memories of him, Cody Rhodes doing something that whether it succeeds or fails is one of the gutsiest moves, one of the biggest moves, one of the boldest moves in wrestling history, history, mm-hmm. and doing it just after his father passes away. You know, now Jungle Boy, whatever his career will be or won't be, it will be just outside of the knowledge and sight of probably the man who helped him become what he is, you know, on the path to become. So, yeah. you know, a lot of narratives there, a lot of, a lot, a lot of things to think about there. Absolutely so. Yeah. Yeah, man. I just want to, you know, make sure that we mention it because we talk a lot about these guys in their life. That's what they make a lot of money, sure, but you know, they pay a price. Their names become something that you can use in vain. You can use any which way. So if you're gonna talk about them in life, you know, at least talk about them in death too. Absolutely so. And while we're on the topic, I do also want to shout out a uh, more obscure passing at the age of 88. Uh, the Destroyer, Dick Byer, passed away. Very um, influential guy, kind of before the period of uh, recorded history of wrestling, you know, before Hulkamania and all that stuff. Uh, Very important in Japan, important in America as well. Uh, Influenced a lot of guys who like to go back and watch, you know, kind of that older tape and get ideas and get inspired. So I want to shout him out as well. Very nice. Please always do. Just like Miz Fan brings us the Convince Me segments because... He knows a lot more than I do about this stuff and, you know, planning a lot of the show, but I'm also, I'm also doing it. My, here's what my life looks like at the moment with, um, pretty much I do all my, uh, watching now, whether I like it or not at like five thirty, six thirty in the morning because <laughs> the rest of the week is consumed by other things. So I may often miss things. So just, just shout them out. Um, there's a, always, always so much to cover. I'm trying. I'm trying to live in this world that Miz fan just so naturally seems to uh, <laughs> live in. 
with all the multiple wrestling promotions and all the people who don't really look the same, but I haven't really been able to distinguish them. Don't actually wrestle the same, but I haven't been able to distinguish it. But you know what I am going to do? Great listeners, I am Tony with the beard right now. I'm that MLW guy who walked in the building, doesn't understand how people function anymore, doesn't understand the names of wrestling holds, but I'm shaving that beard a little bit by the week. I'm learning things. I had home court advantage for three and a half years with WCW The Legacy Series. Now every show is a road game for me, but I'm going to learn how to play this game, Miz fan. But we got to do it together because it's just so much happening in the wrestling world. Wrestling is deep and wide, as I always say. We're just dipping our toe into uh, this big ocean, and I'm, I'm super happy to be taking this journey. I'm really, I'm really pleased about it. Yes. Something that is familiar and is thus creating a little controversy, a little buzz, is the fact that Jim Ross has left WWE, which we all expected, um, on good terms according to everyone involved, but possibly may sign a multi-year deal, possibly $1 million per year. I would think that would be multiple hats, multiple roles. But the the controversy, and maybe it's not a bad one because a lot of people mentioning that he really didn't do a good job in some of the shows he's called as far as knowing what he's talking about. So I'm just reading a lot of comments and, you know, a lot of people, we got the usual people who say every the same thing every time someone leaves WWE. Well, he was shit anyway. Good riddance. Nobody <laughs> liked him. Then you got people that say he can't talk anymore and he's not attractive. And then you got people bring who maybe were bringing into a fair conversation says, I think this company says it wants to be fresh. Is Jim Ross fresh? Um, this company might want someone who will know the product well. Is he going to do that kind of work? So big picture, small picture, Jim Ross leaving WWE, Jim Ross probably coming to AEW. What what what, what should we make of this? Well, it's really hard to say, and we've spoken about it at least once before on this program. Um you know, there are definitely people, I think, who gut react against Jim Ross. I think there are people who gut react for Jim Ross, uh, just because of all the history he's had, all the iconic times that he's been associated with, and because the narrative around him is one of the best commentators ever. And that, I think, uh, you know, is some validity to that. But I'll just say, personally, I don't want, I don't want Jim Ross as a regular commentator, and I'll stipulate that carefully as a regular commentator. Um... I do have some of the same concerns that he is not really up to the same standard he once was. I haven't heard it quite as badly as some people will claim because there are some people who are really on the warpath about it. But then again, I haven't watched a lot of uh, New Japan uh, on AXS, which is uh, where a lot of people have claimed they've heard these problems. So I don't know. Maybe the problem's bigger than I've thought. I've heard enough to know that just personally, I don't think I want to hear that. If you want to trot him out for special occasions, maybe. Uh, but please choose them carefully, because um, I think a uh, a part-timer in the booth can be just as annoying as a part-timer in mm. the ring. Um, as far as him wearing different hats, that might be the best thing for him. I don't know. Maybe he can be their Jack Tunney, you know, their their president, who just uh, kind of makes the, the right announcements at the right time. It doesn't have to be involved a lot. Maybe he can work backstage. I know he's been a, uh, a talent scout or a talent relations guy in the past and had some success with that. I don't know. There's a lot they could do with him. Um, but yeah, I don't personally, I just don't want to see Jim Ross 
do a commentary on weekly television. And I could be wrong about that. If he goes on and he's as great as he ever was, then I'll, I'll gladly eat my words. Because I do like Jim Ross uh, kind of at his peak. But just based on what I have seen, I don't really think he's at that peak anymore. And I also agree that fresh feeling. Uh, Jim Ross is not fresh, you know, to answer your question. Honestly, I don't think he is. So, all right, that's my whole uh, mental dump about all of that. Yeah. It's a hard job to do because basically we're trying to forecast something when we don't have enough information, mm. we don't have enough variables, we don't know the people, and we've seen no evidence one way or the other about what he could or could not do. So that that needs to be said up front. I was leaning towards I want him as an announcer, um, but I also am trying to pay attention to the people who pay atten- more attention than me. And I said, though, from the beginning that if, if he was an announcer, I want him to be some kind of Jim Ross and not JR. And I don't know. I don't know what the man's ego is. So the first thing I would need to know is, mm. like, are you in this company if you are in the company because it's easy money? Are you in the company because you really want to do something for it? Can you be more than a WWE guy? Like, he's been WWE since 1993. Like, can you look at AEW? Even if AEW does one-tenth of what WWE does, if you're in that company, that that's supposed to be the number one company for you. So can you look at it that way? Can you treat it with that kind of respect? Can you care just as much about building that brand and your name in that brand as you have cared about, you know, previous work. Mm-hmm. And I don't know the answer to any of that. And I would not even have an opinion until I could have one, which until I can know those things. Um, if he could do it well, I think it would matter to who he's put with. You, you really need to round out that booth well and right and correct. If you went that route, maybe you could bring him in for special matches. If you don't go that route, or maybe he could do a show or he could do some kind of, you know, there's, there's lots of things he could do. Right. He used to do the man those interviews like when Mankind attacked him. You could have him do something, you know, in that vein. So there is a lot. Um, if you're paying him that much money, though, he needs to be contributing something of value. Uh, I'm gonna I'm going to take the easy way out, which is not our job, but <laughs> you know, I just need to know more because also if he's not going to be the announcer, then who who is going to be? Like that also matters to me. Right. If it's people that I feel like could be their own version of Jim Ross, their own legacy, then cool. But if they're, you know, if it's, you know, you talked about you can have part timers in the announce booth who are just as bad as part timers in the ring, and I agree with that. Mm. And you can also have mid carters and jobbers in the announce booth, just like you can have <laughs> mid carters and jobbers. We've in seen the many ring. years of that uh, in other places. So yeah, you are not wrong. Um, what if they bring in uh, Tony Schiavone? What do you think then? It's so interesting that I, God help us, we are in a moment where Tony <laughs> Schiavone, I think, is getting more buzz than Jim Ross. Yeah, and I think he's deserving it, honestly, just based on the little I've heard, but still, yeah. And uh, it's not like I haven't heard Jim Ross recently. I heard him do the first Mayan Classic in 2017, which some people hated, I thought was so-so. I've heard him do a little bit of the New Japan stuff, and yeah, I think it is a little dodgy. I don't know, yeah, Tony is just coming at it from such a fresher place, um, which is weird, yeah, because I never in a million years would have thought I would bet on Tony more than Jim Ross, but, I mean, here we are. It's a weird time in 2019. Yeah, that was the complaint. Um, that Tony went away and came back fresh, is what people right. were saying. <laughs> we were actually able to miss uh, Tony. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, okay, so 
what what would say though if if I gave Tony a million dollars to come be a commentator, would he stay fresh or would he become you know right, what we've seen right. him be before? Yeah, I, honestly, part of his appeal I think is that he's in such a low stakes environment that he yeah. can just kind of sit back and yeah. Who knows, in another big corporation, you know, one of the big problems is he kind of had to be in control of everything. He had to kind of know things before other people. He didn't work well with uh, other people who had their own egos. You know, you're sitting next to Rich Pacini, who, you know, I think worked in WWE at one point, but it's basically, you know, nobody knows him. So yeah. he's not going to, like, come in there and try to big-time Tony Schiavone or anything. So no, he got he got pushed yeah. in the pool this week on MLW. <laughs> exactly, series. yeah, for sure, you know, so... It's it's a totally different thing. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so what was the first show you said you watched him on recently? Um, he did the Mae Young Classic for uh, okay. WWE, which is a big kind of pulling in a lot of women's talent that they've done for the last couple of years. Because I know that in New Japan critique. So what made him so-so in that? What is it about him that is now so-so? Uh, he just definitely seems less connected to what's going on. You know, in that... Uh, it wasn't so much a problem, like, he didn't know their names or anything, but just, uh, I didn't know what insight he was really bringing mm. to anything, you know, he was kind of really disconnected from that world, and that didn't seem like he was making a big effort to, like, make that connection, you know, he was still Jim Ross, he had some good energy, um, you know, he's kind of got, like, a natural appeal, you know, at least to people who are fans of him, but yeah, I don't know, there was nothing that, like, if that were my first time hearing Jim Ross... I'd be like, this guy's a legend? Okay, mm. all right. I bet he was good at one point. Like, he's just kind of there now. So, And that's for WWE, you know, which is like a home game for him, like you yeah. said. So if he's going out and abroad, I don't know. I think he'd really have to do the work. And I don't know if he's up to it. And I don't even, like, he's been through a lot. Like, his longtime wife passed away, yeah. like, just, just last year, I think. Uh, he's had health problems for a long time. He's almost 70 years old. So, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. Plus, he does have a reputation of being, like, a very grumpy person, even on yeah. the best of times. So, I don't know. I don't know. I would be defending him harder if I did not get the impression, uh, like, a like just, a, like you said, the impression of him as a human being. Because <laughs> I can see him maybe being too big for this or just not caring or, like, I'll do as much. Like, I can see – I want to see a passion in Jim Ross. And that, I guess right. the only – maybe there's a Hail Mary argument, but could working for a promotion that's brand new – and being needed and starting over, could that possibly awaken something in him? It could, but you could say that about any lackluster WWE star, and we've talked so many times about how we don't want those people on the program, you know? So do you just start rolling the dice on people who maybe will get good if you sign them, or do you maybe go after the people who are already doing well? So, I don't know. Well, part of that problem is I think he's already going to be signed, so this is... Right, yeah. And again, it's really about how they use him. I don't have a problem with them signing Jim Ross for any number of roles. Just personally, I don't want to see him um, as uh, the the commentator every week. I just don't think it's a good fit. How many people, if you want to keep making the wrestler-announcer comparison, how many people in WWE do you think in their prime have been on the level that Jim Ross was as far as prime announcer? Oh, wow. Less than 10, certainly. Maybe less than 5. You know, I, yeah. I am a fan of Jim Ross at his peak. I, I really like the passion that he brings. Uh, I like the connection he can make to stuff that he's passionate about, something we heard in WCW, uh, definitely a lot of the stuff with Steve Austin. Um, yeah, I don't know. He, he's definitely, like, probably on their Mount Rushmore of uh, of announcers, but I just don't know if that translates to 2019. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what I want because 
it's going to be interesting to me. Like, this is how bad this is for 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 other people for their reasons, and then for me, like I was disappointed to find out that he might be doing a podcast uh, with Conrad, and <laughs> because like he he just like he puts me in a bad mood every time I listen to him because he acts like he's too smart for the fans. He acts like if you care about anything, you're either <laughs> stupid or you're wrong. Yeah. And I don't need that and I don't want that. And Conrad gets it though because Conrad said pretty much indirectly dismissing the uh the Ross report or whatever this podcast that I don't listen to whatever JR does mm-hmm. is he said I don't think fans want to hear Jim Ross talk about um mainstream wrestling. I think they want to hear him talk about you know what it was like working with Bill Watts, working with Dusty Rose, working in WCW, working yeah. in WWF back in the day. You know? So there's some there is something that is prevailing. And so you are more staunch on this. I am being pulled over, but I am going over. So to me, it's absolutely on Jim Ross to prove otherwise. Right. Because a simple thing is this. Jim Ross acts like he doesn't really like current wrestling and current wrestling acts like it doesn't like Jim Ross so we are not there so either he needs to come in as a new human being or he does need to do a different job within the company for sure yeah and I think it's going to be important in AEW they've shown a lot of respect towards the past towards legacies towards um you know the important figures especially those who are tied at some point to to WCW to NWA all that stuff and that's great but I hope that is not a free ticket in the door then, because I think that there's a lot that could backfire with that. Um, and again, even with Jim Ross, like I said, I like Jim Ross as a commentator. I'm happy to eat my words if he comes in and does great. But if I, you know, knowing what I know, and that's very limited, but knowing what I know, if I had to make the call, I would not bring him in for that role. That That's all I'll say. Yeah. And it's hard because, it, you know, it's not our business to get into the money. It's not our money to spend, but at right. the same time, like, if you are giving him a million dollars a year, he better be doing something oh, worthwhile, you know, you know? I didn't even think of that, but, man, you split up that million dollars ten yeah. ways, and you can hire ten awesome indie wrestlers who can be legitimate stars for you. Yeah. I can give you a list today of how you can spend that money better. That's just my opinion. I understand commentary is very important, but, man, just that. You could get two or three very good commentators for, yeah, a, a fraction of that money, I think, and it would be fresher, and it would be just like Cody is talking about in this uh, interview that you sent, that we're going to talk about in a minute, he's like, yeah. oh, you know, you want to you wanna get people who are fresh, who people haven't seen before, and give them a chance to, like, be stars on their own, so so do that, you know, follow your own advice in the commentary booth as well, that's just, I don't know, that's my opinion. Yeah, so we're talking about, the, we'll, we'll, we'll bring all this in together, we, we were talking about a, a recent interview with Cody Rhodes, and so it's don't tell me, show me, because they all of them keep saying, yeah, just because you leave WWE does not mean you're coming to AEW. No matter what the rumors might be, we want fresh talent. So all of them are saying the right thing, but we're also watching what happens. And uh, Tony Khan in an interview said that he has to be the guy who tells them because there's a lot of people who leave or or just think eh, AEW. And according to Tony Khan, at least they've had to, he, he they've had to tell quite a few people. Like, we respect you, but, you know, this is not the vision for AEW, and that he is thank the guy God. that falls on when it's time to get the bad news. <clears throat> well, thank God for that then, and thank God for Tony Khan, because yeah. I think the last thing we want is another WCW that will just hire yeah. anybody out the door, um, or God forbid, you know, another TNA who will hire anyone out the door and make them world champion the next day. So, yeah. you know, 
that narrative isn't always true, but it's true enough to be a big concern, and perception is reality, so there you go. Yeah, and also, while everyone, the dumbest AEW critique is, well, if you had a TV deal, why haven't you announced it? Well, why don't you have it yet? You know, that's not where my concern is. My concern is, yes, I hope they get the kind of deal that we all would want them to get, mm-hmm. but my concern is, what are you going to do with the deal if you get one? And, like... <laughs> yeah. I'm not crazy about Tuesday Night Dynamite, which is one thing rumored to be trademarked by them. But, you know, we you can make anything work. It's like, what is Raw as a name? What is Nitro? Right, you know? yeah. Once it's once it's kind of established, then you don't think about it anymore. Yeah. So, yeah. When, it, when All yeah. Elite Wrestling was announced, people were like, that's a dumb name. And now I don't really hear that anymore. You yeah. know, it's kind of just gone. Everyone just got used to it. So, it happens. But the one thing I do want, I want that show to have a feel to it that I want to, like... I want to sit down on my on my couch with that, like I did past shows, and I feel like Cody especially really wants that. So that's gonna matter. Like the announcers are gonna matter a whole lot. Oh yeah. So we'll you know we'll we will figure that out as time goes by. Uh, Cody talks about enhancement matches. Like we used to have enhancement matches. You would see characters um, and what they can do through enhancement matches. Mm. Um. I mean, I'm a fan of this just on a personal level because watching through hundreds of episodes of Wrestling Challenge for the Heenan commentary actually uh, enamored me quite a bit with this style. Um, There's just something about seeing a guy just go out and just smash up some no-name guy and do all his stuff and kind of just show you who he is without the need for everything to be, like, always competitive. It's cool in a way. It makes them feel like bigger stars. It gives you a better idea of kind of who they are. Uh, in a vacuum, but I don't know if fans will sit for a lot of this today, because, you know, it is very popular for everything to be competitive, so it would definitely be uh, uh, a shift, Um, especially because, you know, a lot of these fans uh, gravitated to the Young Bucks through, like, PWG, through uh, a lot of these indie promotions where every match tries to go out and be, like, the best match, you know, and that, that could be a lot of fun, um, but there are drawbacks too. So I don't know if that's what people are used to. I don't know if it'll work. I like the idea, uh, on paper, but I don't know if it's a good strategy or not. I'm not sure. Yeah. You'd have to use it spar- sparingly or smart or something. Yeah, yeah. Something popped in my head while you were talking that might be interesting. So back in the day, uh, they would have like the jobber match and you, you know, we, we see this with MLW, like the screen pops up there. Someone talking in the back, a pre-recorded like King Kong Bundy's about to wrestle a guy, a jobber and get a five count. And we hear Bundy talk like on a little screen mm-hmm. while the match is about to get started. It would be interesting to have those matches sometimes and then have the screen come up and the jobber be talking like, well, last week I got squashed by so-and-so and he's got this style, but this week I think so-and-so and here, like, here's that guy's side of the things. <laughs> uh, yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know if they ever did that in all of my watching. I saw there were there was some weird picture in picture. I saw animals do picture in picture promos. I saw mm. referees do picture in picture promos. I don't know if I ever saw any jobbers do picture in picture promos. So maybe that is something fresh. It would be because you could get to know them as a character while they are enabled, but that doesn't mean they're always sure. going to be there. You know? Yeah, no, for sure. You know, and if they are, that's okay. You know, some of the favorite people I watched from that era yeah. uh, were permanent jobbers. You know, Iron Mike Sharp. I will always uh, stunt for that guy. And, uh, you know, he's just the tip of the iceberg. There's a lot yeah. of talented yeah. guys who can just be in that role, or they used to be able to anyway. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so we'll see. You know, I, you know, being Flip Gordon, 
you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of difficulties being put. I dread the day they <laughs> sign Flip Gordon because I'm going to be very unexcited about that. But yeah, it will probably yeah. happen. He was such a big part of the build to All In and all this baloney. So yeah, I don't know. The only way I think I would like to see that, as far as an angle, is if like some of the, these guys, either Young Bucks or someone, starts getting pissed off at. Uh, the fact that Cody keeps bringing MJF around and, you know, will not, you know, so if they brought him as like, okay, you're going to have MJF here all the time. We're going to have, uh, I already forgot his name. Oh, God damn it. Flip Gordon. Uh, we're going to have Flip here, you know, so you want to have him, we'll have him, you know, that could, that could open up some interesting uh, <laughs> potentials. Oh my, if MJF is the evolution of Cody and Flip Gordon is the evolution of the Young Bucks, I can see that, but they're evolving yeah. in different directions. <laughs> Agreed. I think um, my favorite comment from the whole interview is Cody says, I don't know how to not think big. It's just a byproduct of being related to Dusty. Mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I really like that a lot. Um, I thought it was very sad when he had to talk about how people oh. want to tell him everything his dad did wrong and how painful those conversations are for him. Even if they're coming from a good place, which I'm sure they're not sometimes, but sometimes they are. But either way, you know, what a thing to have to, like, he must have to have that conversation so much. And I do, I, I, I sympathize with the guy for that. Yeah, if, if we're doing this segment for anything, if you're listening to this show and whether, like Ms. Van said, it would be from a good place or, or a bad place or just being excited and your idea is to go up to him and be like, man, I love your family. I love Dusty Rhodes. Oh, I mean, of course, we all know he, he, he really struggled with the book, huh, huh Cody? Don't, don't, <laughs> don't. Like, it's offensive on so, it's offensive on so many, it's offensive to Dusty. And it's also offensive to just your relationship to Cody. You are a fan, so be a fan and appreciate it. Nobody needs your analysis. And I'm talking to myself. If I did that, nobody needs my fucking analysis on, like, what does Cody need with my opinion on how Dusty booked? Do you right. think there's anything Dusty's done that Cody's not more aware of than I am? Right, right. For fuck's sake. <laughs> so don't. It's, yeah. It's really easy as fans, because a lot of us, you know, we, we spend a lot of time on this, and we feel yeah. that makes us some kind of experts, and maybe, you know, we know a thing or two. I won't come yeah. down, and I'll never be one of the guys who, like, fans know nothing, because they're not in the business. No, that's stupid. You know, the fans, that's who it's for, so they're going to know something. But, man, it's one thing to sit here with you and with some listeners, and we talk about, you know, our opinions, yeah. and, you know, we try to have a, a little bit of humility about the stuff that we don't know, which is a lot it's another thing to walk up to the man himself and be like, hey, you know, your dad, he really pushed himself too hard sometimes. He, You know, he shouldn't have done that. Oh, you know, that dusty finish, it's so corny, you know. <laughs> so like, who would do that to a part? Like, that's his dad. It's really easy, I think, sometimes uh, to forget that wrestlers are also people. You know, they're not just characters on your screen. It's not, it wasn't like a story when Dusty Rhodes died, for God's sakes. You know, yeah. these are... These are people. That's like, one thing know, I don't know forget. how much people understand or not. That you know that the death is not a simple storyline. Uh, yeah, really? I don't know. It's really easy to get desensitized. I remember a long time ago, and this is when uh, I was very young, like early teenager. Still, I was just starting to watch wrestling, and Eddie Guerrero passed away. Very sad. Uh, something that I recognize is very sad, even though. You know, I had a, a mixed feeling about Guerrero, but I always, you know, respected mm -hmm. him. I knew he had a family. I was so sad about it. I went to talk to one of my friends about it. He was a little less mature than me, 
and it was a little, it was kind of chilling because he was like oh. happy about it. He's like, oh, I don't have to watch Eddie Guerrero anymore. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, man, what? Yeah. That's not, but you know, and that's like an immature mindset, but I think some people kind of unconsciously yeah. carry that along, you know? So I don't know. It's weird. Uh, me easier to change the channel than needing the person to die. Yeah, right. Oh my God. <laughs> come on. <laughs> For real. It's like. Yeah, I don't know, but people, it just kind of slips out of your mind, and it's really easy to let that happen, you know, so I, I kind of get it, but still, man, have some decorum, have some sense of uh, perspective. Dang, it's only probably been accelerated. All this stuff. You know, people on Twitter, like, this is big in the NBA, like, uh, Kevin Durant is probably the second best or first best basketball player right now, but he's very sensitive, and so... Like he gets a little tired of like some of the things that people say to him on Twitter that you know you would never ever ever say outside of it, and it, I don't know if that empowers you, but to me, like if you want to have these conversations um, to one of the roads about how poor Dusty book, talk to Dusty about it. You know? <laughs> yeah, for real. Get down on your knees, put your hands together, and send that up to where it belongs. You know, if you really got to air that out, holy smokes. Yeah, because um, yeah, yeah, we know stuff. Like I, we've been watching. Like you. The, the years were together we've been watching, but there's also a thing called discourse communities. And yeah. so when I'm talking to you, we're in one discourse community, whether it's two wrestling fans or two kind of podcast analysis uh, people as fans. Right. But when Cody Rose talks to the Young Bucks, that's a discourse community. That's the boys. You know, that's the wrestlers. When I talk to Cody Rhodes, that's a whole different kind of discourse community. That is fan to wrestler. Cody Rhodes is only talking to me because I bought a ticket to a show. He's not talking to me because I did WCW The Legacy Series. <laughs> Though he should because that's a three-and-a-half-year show. But so that's the wrong example. He's not talking to me because I did All About All Elite or because, like, we did t- whatever we did. He's not talking to me because of that. Talk- I'm in the door seeing the man because I bought a ticket. So that discourse community is automatically already wrestler and fan. For sure, for sure. You know, he doesn't want to talk to you. He'd rather be with Brandy, with his dogs, with uh, the boys making plans for the future. He doesn't have time to hear your opinion about why his dad sucked. So, yeah, yeah no. that's not – come on, don't don't be that guy. Yeah, don't. Yeah. And that one of the announcers, we'll get to that, but one of, the, one of those wonderful announcers was getting there for me with his uh, – I don't know why uh, uh, Brandy was stay married to that man in one of our matches, you know. Don't do uh, that either. Don't yeah, do it. no, I don't know. But it's one thing, though, I don't know, when there's some character-driven oh, yes, aspect absolutely. to it, then yeah, you know, it can be whatever it is. But yeah, Just don't no, run that you. as a fan and don't go up to him and talk to him about that. Don't talk to him. Really, you know, if it's not a character thing, you know, the dog, don't don't tell him that, you know, you feel like the dog has been used too much and he needs a new <laughs> one. You know, whatever, whatever your thoughts are. I don't know. Also, if you think that you're wrong, honestly. But yeah, yeah oh, my God, when I talk to wrestlers – uh, you know, in indie shows and stuff. Guess what? If I like them, I go up and say, hey, I really like your work. Let me buy your shirt. If I don't like them, I don't talk to them. Oh, man. You know, it's not hard. Just, like, don't put that negative energy in the room. Holy crap. Yeah, because it, it, it's one of three things. To, like, you make me feel a very positive thing that I, and I like you. You make me feel a really horrible thing, and I like you. <laughs> or you don't really make me feel anything, so why the fuck would I be talking to you? Right, right. Yeah, I didn't know we were going to go there, but I think that's it's not a horrible place to go, you know? Because yeah. this is an all-access. Like, these guys, Cody says he wants to be the most aware person, and they're going to listen to the fans. They said that pro wrestling is the only place that the story can be changed, like, by fan reaction. Like, the product can change. So, you got people that got their ears on the ground. Let's reward them for that, and let's not, like, punish them for that. Right, right. 
anyway, it's a lot of lecturing. I feel like <laughs> like I'm preaching, so well. Uh, I feel like it's justified. I don't know. Hopefully, it no is. one we're listening to has gone up to wrestlers in real life and told them that they suck. Oh, I actually know one person who kind of did that, and it was. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It was a weird experience, so just don't do it, please. I don't think they should hurt people to the point they got to have doctor bills. But I would be in favor of a law that if you kind of got out of pocket, they could we could go old school with uh, what's his name who popped the uh, the journalist in the face. Oh, uh, but, uh, David Schultz. Yeah, like yeah, I, oh, man. One, one good smack in the face. I think I could I could legalize. I would oh, vote for that. Oh my. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't gotta hurt him, but man, just like oh. Because then you're going to be like, oh, my God, that was inappropriate for me as a wrestler. What did you do that might have been inappropriate? And let's have a dialogue about it. <laughs> Open the conversation. Uh, you know, just, just trying to look out for everybody. <laughs> anyway, Cody, the reason I like to bring these in is because Cody is he's blowing my mind by He says things either I, that I like or don't like as a fan waiting for AEW, but I can never make much sense out of them. So, yeah. like, sport, you know, sports-centric. Again, we talk about that a lot. Yeah, and he's throwing around a term because it sounds good, but I don't even know if it's defined well yet because he says sports-centric, and then in the in the same sentence he's like, and that's about the characters. And I'm like, yes. have you seen a sport? It's not necessarily yeah. – like, sometimes characters appear in sport, and that's great, but that's not really, like, the core of it. You know, you can have a sport without characters all the time, so – I don't know about that. That seems a little contradictory. And I texted you, I think, this past week that I feel like all the VPs are kind of coming at this from a different angle. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that might backfire. I don't know how real sports connects to the Young Bucks, like, tiptoeing across the ring and doing, like, suck it 60 times. I don't know how it connects to Joey Ryan coming out with penis druids. I'm not even necessarily against those things. Those things aren't my favorite. But they have their place. It's but how do you then marry that to sports-centric, quote-unquote? Yeah. I don't know. It's a little weird to me. Yeah, you can't do that. So that, that's a fair. And you already – this is this was a sentence I was going to finish on, but, you know, you, you knew where we were going. So <laughs> it's, it's treating it treating it like a live sport, um, the core of which is characters, you know? Right, which is I not – that, that, it just didn't make any sense to me. Like, yeah. I'm actually – I want to just focus on the second part of that, because I yeah. think if you build a promotion around characters, then you are going to be doing a great job. Uh, and the sports-centric thing can kind of be on the side. Like, just like wins and losses matter. Yeah, great. Maybe have a top ten. Awesome. I'm, a, I'm in favor of all that. But it's got to be character-driven more than sports-driven, or it's not going to be for me, I think. Yeah, same here. And so I think I, I did this in part because that is that's a, that's a positive concession, because the most that he's defined it now is – by something that has not little to do with it, which is characters, but I'll take that because that's what I want to hear. Right, right. I'd rather have the right focus in the wrong term than the other way around. Yeah, and finally, I'll say I do love the kind of statement about you, there's pro wrestling that is booked and there's pro wrestling that's written, and if you want pro wrestling that's kind of written or overly written, you've already got that product, then we're going to be pro wrestling that's booked. Absolutely. It's a great line. Um, <laughs> I... Uh, I feel like it empathize with Cody Rhodes because he brings up WWE a number of times in this, and he doesn't really want to even, but they're so they, – they, they dominate the conversation when it comes to wrestling, and it's it's impossible not to talk about them. On this show, we talk about them, and we don't really want to, so yeah. it's yeah, a little bit we have in common here. Um, but, yeah, just, just making that differentiated, saying, like, I don't, I'm not trying to bring back the territories, but I want to take – 
that aspect of it that worked and try to bring that into the modern day. I'm, I'm very appreciative of that because I think uh, that that is going to be fresh. You know, if they want to be fresh, that's going to help them tremendously. Yeah, you have to talk about what is normative. Like, you can't if, – if the XFL, you know, gets off the ground, <laughs> like, everyone's going to look at, like, everything they do. Like, why are you doing this? The NFL already does it. Or you're not, or you're doing this, but the NFL doesn't do that. You know, it's the only, it's the only way you know how to compare until something gets off the ground and builds its own history. Right, right. Speaking of, we can anything else from the interview? Um, talk some about having conflict with Chris Jericho, which I put as kind of ninety nine percent work. Yeah, that's fine. I, they're definitely gonna wrestle at some point. I'm, I have no problem with that. I prefer that actually. Than to them trying to air some sort of real shooty grievance, whatever, you know, leave that alone. Also, that was very interesting because the guy asked him about Ty Dillinger, and (laughs) Cody gave, like, the biggest non-answer that ever existed, and I was like, okay, all right, you know, I don't know if you're being coy because you're going to bring him in, or if you're trying to be, like, delicate about, no, we're not going to bring him in, even though, you know, I like the guy. But he's not like our vision, so I'm gonna let Tony Khan say the harsh words. I, I don't know; it could be either one, honestly. But I thought that was interesting. And that's that might be a defense of Jim Ross's paycheck because you yeah. could bring in ten indie guys; five of them could be Ty Dillinger. <laughs> so it just depends who you bring in, you know. That's, a, that's kind of a slap to uh, indie guys. I want to say as an indie fan, but uh, okay, sure, I get where you're coming from, though. So folks uh, love Ty Dillinger, though. <laughs> yeah, they like Channing Ten, maybe. I don't they know. Do. Yeah, some people like Ty Dillinger. You know, I, 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 I don't know. I never I got want, Ty Dillinger, so who knows? Yeah, I don't want these people because uh, you know, because even if someone is really good, well, you know, that's not necessarily. I don't have to know that later. Like you don't have to prove that to me. Sometimes you go prove that somewhere else. But I do wonder about guys, whether it's Jim Ross, whether it's Ty Dillinger, you know. How many of them are going to be better if they're unburdened by the WWE machine and gimmicks, and how many of them are going to be neutral or worse? And you just never know until they end up somewhere. It is tough. I will say this for Ty Dillinger. Uh, he willingly walked away from what I'm sure was a reasonably comfortable contract, and I have already seen that he is not just sitting around waiting for AEW to pick up the phone. He is Good. working uh, small indies where he's surely getting small paydays. Uh, he's putting in that effort. He's putting in that hustle, and I respect that. To a certain extent, does that mean he's going to be uh, a great charismatic star in the future? Not necessarily, but, you know, I think he has a better chance going out into the world, developing himself more, kind of building up that hype, then going to AEW than he would just showing up there immediately. And, I, you know, I think it would flop, honestly, overnight, I think it would. So, I don't know, good for him for betting on himself. I don't know if it'll pay off or not, but honestly, I would prefer that people bet on themselves than not. So, so that's something for him. Yeah. I said it before they should put out a public statement saying, you know, we are interested in, in anyone and everyone. And if you've left WWE, you know, go put in a good two years and we'll, we'll watch you. We'll see what you're doing. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Or God, even less than that, honestly, just show that you can like do the work and get the buzz without being in that machine, you know? So I don't know. Um, I like that idea. It just has to be made clear, even if you're good, yeah. that you don't just get to walk in because you came from WWE. Because that, that, that's a – in one way, you know, like you said, you could justify, like, that's really nice, especially if they're working hard. But we know we know what trap doors lie within that room. Absolutely. So um, I, he's got a bit of a Ring of Honor vibe, I think, about him. I, th- I think he'd actually be a fine fit there. You know, that's a good, uh, good shout-out. I know they yeah. hired some guys recently – 
Um, I think he'd do reasonably well. It's a it's a really good match potentially. I, I'm my heart's with Ring of Honor, especially New Japan. I you know sure yeah. Absolutely. I love these Ibushi comments. I don't know how much his work and how much is, but he's, you know he's making a lot of comments. You know about because it's Damn. like this guy Everything. was second to Kenny, Kenny Omega. You know gimmick, gimmick storyline wise, and now he you know like this is a hard loss for these companies, and now they're trying to like. Yeah. Build him up as a man who it looks like I chose not to go there, and I, I was in his shadow. I thought I was less than him, and now this is my opportunity to be who I want to be. Mm-hmm. Sure, everything that we're talking about is due in some part to New Japan, you know. So yeah, mm-hmm. my heart goes out to them as well. They mm-hmm. have been a huge driving force in this uh, revitalized boom period. Um, so yeah, much credit to them. Uh, and uh, yeah, anyone good that they can pick up, they should pick up. You know, honestly, they they got a lot of talent right now, and uh, I hope they continue to do well. You know, it's not even really my favorite style personally, um, but uh, it's got the attention of a lot of people. It's sold out Madison Square Garden. You know, all this good stuff. So I'm I'm very uh, pleased with uh, how they've done in terms of staying relevant, staying popular, staying really kind of at the top of their game. Yeah, um, I was talking to Doc uh, the other day, and he was talking. He heard some of the things we had to say, and he said one thing he's going to do is uh, on his show. I think he said he's going to drop back at some point in 2012 ish. Yep. You know where he was doing uh, New Japan, where he kind of went into New Japan without much context, and he wants to bring kind of some narrative and context to those things. And he said it might help people like myself, like some of us, like people who you know either don't want to watch it. Or might maybe want to watch it, but also would like to know context. They can't just, you know, you know. And so he comes. He he's Sunday, folks, and we are Saturday, and he's trying to do a forty-five minute like show. He's trying to really treat you well as far as this is what it's going to be about. This much time, very methodical guy. This doc, very methodical. I'm a wild man. I will promise you a forty-five minute show, and we'll break the three hour. But I love that, and so I'm going to be listening to these shows when I can. And and if he says something interesting, I'm gonna bring it on this show for our conversation, so we can have some intertextual uh, dialogue here at uh, LOP Radio. Mm. Uh, I'll say this: when you and I started uh, Impact the Revolution five six years ago, God, so long I can't believe it. Mm. But yeah, we were the only program on LOP Radio talking about anything that was not wow. WWE. Now we have this show. We have uh, the continuation of that, uh, the Global Revolution. Yep. We have the Doc Says. Uh, we have Kingdom of Honor, which is very good coverage as well, some of the yes, same stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, we have uh, the Implication Show, uh, Perfect Ten Wrestling. And that guy, man, that is a guy who probably five years ago wouldn't have known a thing about New Japan. And he is he, the way he has dove in to that product is amazing. He wrote an incredible multi-part series on the history of, uh, uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi and how he is related to New Japan. That is one of the best things I've read on the LOP main page in a long time. Uh, so huge credit to him and the show that he does. Everybody really, you know, is uh, getting into this mindset now. And it's just, it's great how things have changed so much. And a lot of that is, you know, it's New Japan driven. It is. So yeah, so much credit to them. Uh, yeah, I, I love all that stuff. Yeah, they they kind of made it hip to do it. Sure, yeah, absolutely. You know, and now now it's becoming a thing. And, uh, you know, I'll say this because I know that Miz Fan wins a lot of community awards. Like, he he just told you what everybody's doing and how they're (laughs) doing it. 
I don't mean to be an asshole. That's not never my that's never my intention. But if you want to get on my radar, you just gotta kind of be like, "Hey, I did a thing. Will you please go check it out?" <laughs> because like my mind is just in a million places, and you know, it's just how how it is. But like I I gave Doc so much shit. Um, I love Doc's books. I Doc and I go back way back. But like but he did his WWE book, and I, The Rock, you know, fair enough. But he was at the top of it. But Triple H was at the top of the <laughs> rankings of all time. And, you know, there were times that I was praying for Doc. And Doc probably doesn't know that. I was like, God, I don't mind if he's a WWE fan. Like, we have, a, we should all watch what we want to watch. But could you let my people go just a little bit? Could you give them a little bit of uh, room to wiggle outside of that uh, Triple H uh, pedigree. I know Triple H has both arms locked, and it's hard to get out of the move once Triple H has locked both arms, but God, could you let him free? And now this man, this man does not have to do this. He quit. He was done. But he's coming back, and he's covering WWE and other, and I like the nuances. We're going to talk about vocabulary for what we want in wrestling. Mm-hmm. I want the same thing in the folks I read and listen to. I want some nuance. I want them to challenge themselves because if I do a lot of things poorly, but one thing I do is try to fucking challenge myself. Everything on this show is a challenge to me because God is outside of my world for 20 years. <laughs> and so we're going to, we're going to build some conversations is all I'm saying. We're going to do, we are, this is a show. That is so undefined because AEW is. So we're going to do cool shit all the time. We're going to make stuff up. We're going to be creative. We're going to have conversations with anyone who wants to have a conversation and can actually dialogue. That's kind of a you know, small print. You need to actually be able to dialogue. But, yeah, we're going to do these things, Ms. Fan, because, you know, we're in the wild, wild west of things right now. And whatever happens is what happens. Absolutely so. Uh, great. I want to like snip out that bit about praying for Doc and like put it up everywhere because I love it. <laughs> it's just yeah. uh, that's just perfect because I've I've felt the same at times. You know, I love Doc. Sometimes his uh, his takes are like so foreign to me that I can't engage with them. Um, but uh, I always I always love Doc. He's a great guy, and the stuff he brings out is always quality. So yeah, do do check that out. Like the man said, that's on Sunday. We're on Saturday, so we're weekend buddies here yeah um good stuff good it's stuff. more normative like people people get pissed off like i'm at one extreme and back then i think he was at the other his extreme was this is all that exists and this is all that i care about and my extreme i'm like the most is it disloyal is that the right word yeah i think so you know like i was a kobe bryant fan that made me a basketball fan i was not a lakers fan everybody's like you're a laker fan i'm like i'm a kobe bryant fan they're like you're a piece of shit because you're supposed to rep a team through their ups and downs it ought to be the team where you live anyway and i'm like i wouldn't watch this fucking sport if i hadn't watched this guy and what he does so why the hell can't i be a fan of his and so there's good stuff about mine there's good stuff about the, the other extreme but the problem is sometimes you can be too rigid and like me sometimes you can fly away for three years and everybody's like Where's that guy that was doing that show? Oh, well, he hasn't watched wrestling in three years, but he'll be back one day and then he'll be gone again one day. So, you know, we were both at two extremes. We're trying to inch our way into more mid midstream continuum. So here we go. We'll see what happens. Absolutely. Yeah. It's always uh, fascinated me that because we're we're different also in that yes. same way, you and I. Um, so even though we agree a lot, we have really different perspectives. I often think you're not really – a wrestling fan uh exactly and it's in the same way you know you're there's a, a quote <laughs> you're you're a fan of like certain things like you know what you like and you don't you're never going to sit down and watch something that you don't like 
uh, unless you've got a good reason to, like you've suffered through all the Russo stuff, just like I did. But yeah, I, you know what I mean, though. It's I do. Not, it's not the same for you and me, and I think that's actually a good thing. It gives us a little different perspective. On it stuff. does. It's good. I'm a fan of storytelling. I'm a highly sensitive yes. person, so I can be enraptured by good storytelling. And you know what? I'm going to find it. It just it just so happened as a kid, the wrestling genre is what captured it more than other things. Mm. And it just so happens in the last 20 years, like, TV has gotten so much better. There's some fucking good TV. Yeah. Plus, there's good literature. Plus, there's good so on and so forth. You know, so I'm going to go. If you can, like, lift me out of my seat and put me up in the sky with the clouds and, like, let me float for a while, I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, I'll go there. Let me do that. You know, I'm not going to be... You know, I'm not, I'm not going to work harder than the people who are getting paid to do it. It's always been my thing. <laughs> Good thought. All right, we're too far off track now, so we got to bring it back to AEW. Um, Fair enough. One other news piece that I want to bring out, not part of this, uh, this article, but something else. Uh, Sonny Kiss, I believe, came out this week and uh, claimed that AEW has a working relationship with Lucha Underground, which is both uh, important and not important. Uh, it is important. Because it may uh, solve a lot of these contract disputes that have been going on with Lucha Underground. I think a lot of the people who've been trying to get out are probably people who are trying to get to AEW. We're talking about Joey Ryan. We're talking about Eva Lise. We're talking about um, King Cuerno, a.k.a. El Hijo de Fantasma. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that will solve some of the woes that they've been having as far as that goes. It may make things easier with Pentagon and Phoenix and guys like that. So it's good as far as that goes. Uh, it's not important insofar as how can you have a working relationship with a company that is doing no work. So that's uh, kind of the eyebrow razor about that statement. But uh, still, uh, if it makes things a little smoother, I'm still happy about it. And for God's sake, just give it season five or just finish it in some way. My God. All right. Okay. That's all I got to say. Yeah, I don't care if it's a movie. I don't care if it's a season, but you need to finish it. Yeah, finish uh, that story, please. We we all we've earned it. We stuck with you. So I only have one sentence. If you have a working deal, go ahead and sign Eva Lease. Yeah, yeah. Like today, yesterday. I agree. I think she'd be um, the best female signing they've made besides Ajay Kong. I'll just say that. Yeah, I. Man, like she can be so uncomfortable with her attitude, and I think just. Having her come in late and just acting like she owns the place and just putting off everyone, being like the young buck, uh, what rumor that was it the young bucks who supposedly didn't shake people's hands or didn't pay enough yeah. respect? Yeah, you know, I can see her being like people getting petty with her. So like, I she has a hell of, hell of a lot of potential. Also, this is not on our news, but Phoenix did an interview and he said what I feel like I'm the only person that ever pays attention to in the whole world, but. Like they haven't signed their big contract, they haven't cause they haven't made their WWE decision yet. So, you know, you kind of made that comment that you know we either have to go that way eventually or not. So, mm, interesting. Well, I hope they don't. This is something interesting. I think Colt Icon pointed it out, and he's always very uh, on the ball with this kind of stuff. A lot of luchadors have really kind of been warned off of WWE at this Good. point because some of the people who've gone there recently uh, have had terrible experiences. You know, um, the original Mystico was basically the John Cena of Mexico, and he came and became Sin Cara, and, you know, it went nowhere. Feeling. Yeah, <laughs> unbelievable flop. Um, Grand Metallic, who is doing basically nothing in WWE right now, was a huge star in Mexico. Um, Andrade, whatever they call him now, you know, he was also a big star, and now he's kind of, you know, he's getting a push insofar as he gets to feud with Rey Mysterio because, uh, you know, he's back, and, you know, the luchadores can feud with each other 
I guess. Um, so yeah, I don't know. A lot of people, a lot of you know, WWE was going after Bandito, uh, who wrestled it all in, um, and he turned them down. He went to Ring yes. of Honor instead. Um, and you know, he's not the only guy who was kind of uh, kind of shied away from going to WWE now. So yeah, until they fix the problems that they are having booking luchadors, I hope that that they stay away, honestly, because so far, yeah, if you're not named Rey Mysterio, it's not going to go well for you. And even he had his problems over the years, so there you go. Mm. Yeah. Now that I don't have to, you know, be burdened by praying for Doc's soul, uh, <laughs> I'm low-key praying that uh, Phoenix will end up in WWE, but his brother will not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there, yeah, there could be some big benefits to that, actually. Um, I don't know if you can separate them properly with, without, but, you yeah, know, who knows? I believe you can, because I was introduced to them, and not as brothers, as separate entities, having separate stories, and it's the best that I've ever liked them, so... I agree with that, yeah. but, like, if you're trying to build a tag team division, and you, it's, like, they're, they're the Lucha Bros, so I think we're probably about to see next week Pentagon fall off the singles map and, and end up as a tag wrestler in MLW. Maybe. I don't know. You could be right, but, yeah, I don't know. It's not... <sighs> Uh, building your tag division should not come at the expense of capitalizing on a talent like Pentagon or even a talent like Phoenix, honestly. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I like it insofar as I like tag team wrestling, but I feel like it's a missed opportunity um, if that happens. So I guess we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, Ace Romero. I'm excited about Ace Romero. Uh, I gotta say, that's the most excited I've been about a signing in a while. Um, when you sent that over, I kind of jumped in my seat a little bit. Uh, nice. I've only seen him a few times, but I'm a huge fan of guys who are visually striking, who immediately make an impression when you see them. I'm a fan of big guys. Hold up. Oh, hold on. There we go. All right. <laughs> I'm a fan of big guys in a world of small guys, and we're definitely in a world of small guys now. So to have a massive dude like Ace Romero, who, you know, he kind of got known uh, almost as like a, a viral video of him. You know, they showed it on the Road to Double or Nothing episode of him, like, pouncing a guy literally out of the ring and, like, into the crowd, um, which is awesome. But, man, that's really just the tip of the iceberg for the stuff this guy can do. It's funny we were just talking about King Kong Bundy because he reminds me – like, if King Kong Bundy had been an indie wrestler and he had learned, like, to be even more agile and do, like, even more of this kind of stuff that's popular now, I think you'd have a guy exactly like Ace Romero. So I'm excited. I want to do a convince me on him in the near future, maybe next week, maybe a little farther down. But, yeah, I'm excited about that. I think it is a great signing. I think he's going to be a big standout in the uh, over-the-top budget battle royale. For obvious reasons. So, yeah, much, much credit. A great signing. Uh, one, he was probably on my list of, I said I had like 30 guys when we were talking about who they should sign. He was definitely on that list. Yeah, so this is my first time seeing Ace Romero. I feel like I have seen the name in print, but that's not enough. Of course, this is Road to Double or Nothing, Episode 6. And the, the thing that Cody, the Young Bucks, being the elite, can do... I don't know what they can do on a big stage and getting people over consistently, but they know how to do a light touch to really put someone somewhere. And I love, we're watching Cody Rhodes watch Ace Romero do his pounce. And so not only are we seeing it, we're seeing them see it. And we're impressed, they're impressed. And it knocks the dude over the top rope, and they're about to announce him for a battle royal. So there's even that kind of lair beneath the lair. Yep. And I, I, it was fascinating. Like, I like... I like watching Cody Rhodes 
where he's kind of like supposed to be a suit and tie, but you see him kind of become more of a wrestler. So yeah, we, we saw it here. We saw it when he was like, I'm a grown up. Look at me be a grown up. And then like Chris Jericho is talking shit about him. And all of a sudden like that composure quickly goes away. You know, so it's interesting. Um, I like watching Cody Rhodes in general. I yeah. always thought he's charismatic. He's a very good character worker. He's he's a better character than he is a wrestler, honestly. Yes, he and is. I say that as a guy who likes him as a wrestler. Uh, so I really like him as a character. Um, yeah, so I think it, it reflects very well on him. I like that he's basically the star of all of these videos. I think that's very much to their credit. Yeah. For me, as a 1980s, 1990s fan, my long, long beef is that Lex Luger didn't do as much as I thought he could have. 2000s, that guy's Monty Brown for me. I think Monty Brown could have been so much. Oh, yeah. Monty Brown did the pounce. Uh, Ace Romero is Mr. Pounce. So that by itself was enough to to get me. Young man, go forth and be what Monty Brown wanted to be. Bring that pounce back. Knock people into the crowd. And like you said, I'm with you. Uh, it's a small man's world out there now. So, like, you know, Ace Romero is kind of the one, two, three kid of this thing. <laughs> it's just flipped. <laughs> Even though he could probably fit about five Sean Waltmans inside him. So, there you yeah. go. <laughs> so this is big. Yeah. This is big. Put him in that Battle Royal, too. Like, you know. Is it going to be a group that throws him out if he gets eliminated? Is it going to be one person stepping up to him? You know, so can Corey someone Lyons throw him out? What's that? Can someone throw him out? He yeah. can win the thing easily. I'd like to see him pounce like three or four people at one time, and they all fly over the top rope. Yeah, yeah, one by one, just knock everyone out of the match, man. I love matches where one guy just comes in and dominates everything. Like yeah. you see that. You want to be sports-centric, that happens. You have a blowout sometimes. Oh, yeah. Know, unexpectedly. So, man, give me that once in a while, and I'll be I'll be nuts for it, honestly. If you present that well, I will absolutely love that. Oh, yeah. In basketball, if a guy just starts hitting threes and it's like they can't miss, they'll just walk up the court and throw up a ridiculous shot, and whether they make it or not, it's called a heat check because they're just like, I don't know if I can miss right now. <laughs> I love that. See, yeah, I'd love to see something like that. Not all the time, but, man, yeah, once in a while, you present yeah. that well. I think that's brilliant. Yeah, that's that's a human thing. to Just be – this will get to our vocabulary. See, like, root – here's the thing. These are characters, yes, but they're also human beings. So root what they do, even if it's a bigger version of it, in what human beings can do. And, you know, on any level – you can feel it. You can like even doing these shows once in a while, you know, we start riffing and oh, all of a sudden I'm on a rant. All of a sudden, like I'm feeling this thing. I'm just going to keep going, you know, because you're feeling that zone a little bit. Maybe maybe you're in it and maybe you're connecting or maybe somebody's about to knock you out because you're not quite in it and you're feeling yourself too much. But it's a human thing to do. Mm, yeah. Love it. Love it. So they talk to their money guy and the money guy says, yeah, we can afford it. And then they talk about pyro. This is one thing they know who they know when they're being made fun of. So then I think they tried to own it. So now Cody Rhodes is the pyro guy and he wants an explosion. So he's not going to let you sit at home and make fun of him. He's going to own the things that he knows you're talking about. Is that, who's talking about that? I must have missed something. Cause what the is whole the, what thing is the after what was their first rally? Not the one uh, for. The one where Jericho uh, made his debut. They're oh, like, yeah, okay. I know the one you They use more pyro than WrestleMania. They spent oh. all their money on pyro. Pyro. <laughs> okay. All right. I, I got you. I'm with you now. Imagine being the fan that's worried about how much money they're spending on pyro. Like, just, <laughs> just breathe. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah, that's funny. This is uh, the most impressed I was with Matt and Nick just because I liked, I liked their family narrative that they put forth. Sure, sure. So they're talking about in the beginning – it's like they had a family business before they had one. They got their dad to make them a ring. And I'm just going to forever call them one of their birthdays because I've 
Do, wait, wait, who has facial hair? I don't know. Okay, I don't think we need to. I can't tell them apart either. They're tag team. They don't want to be individuals. They're tag team. So one of them was saying this and one of them was saying that. So um, I do like that they said, you know, they didn't really get into party and they didn't get into drugs. They wanted to have wives and they wanted to have children and they wanted to have families. And back then, they said they were kind of ridiculed. Like, you can't be. Not like you should not do this. You can't be a wrestler. You can't live this lifestyle and have a family. And they're like, why not? Why can't you do that? What kind of rule is this that you can't do it? And so what I like about them and hate about them is all embodied in that because they see something and they're like, okay, that's a rule and it's stupid. And why don't we do something else? And I'm like, yes, until I see what else they want to do usually. And then I'm like, no, we had a rule. Let's go back to our rule. So, you know, everything about them, the good, bad, and the ugly to me embodied in that statement. Mm. Did, did you know that there's a third uh, young buck? There's a third uh, Jackson brother that wrestled? not. Yeah, yeah, he's been retired for quite a while now, but yeah, they were they were a threesome uh, once upon a time, wow. so that always gets left out. I'm always interested about that. Yeah. Um, for the Young Bucks themselves, uh, as much as I am very much hit or miss on their actual wrestling, just like you, um, and honestly more miss than hit a lot of the time, I've always respected them a lot uh, yeah. for their hustle, for kind of, I don't want to say their values exactly, but yeah, I mean, they put a lot of value on family. Uh, they talk about it a lot, um, you know, they like to post videos, like playing with their kids and stuff. And, uh, you know, they're just trying to um, do what they do and be smart about it, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I respect everything they're doing. They've accomplished a lot. They've tapped into something that a lot of people love. And that's awesome. I could never really fault them for it. You know, I might not come out and I might um, – I might cringe a little when when uh, the fans at that rally are chanting that they're the greatest tag team of all time. Yeah. But you it's know, to them world. they are. You know, it's so subjective. So that's cool, even if I don't agree with it. It's amazing. And again, this is a discourse community amongst fans. This is not things I would say to them. Right. Um, but like, I I I could never have imagined a world where they could they should have been more than like. Back in my day, as I'll say as the old man, they should have been jobbers. <laughs> then in the next world, they should have been maybe, I don't know, maybe. Like the Hardy Boys, right? Yeah, at best, at yeah. best. <laughs> yeah, okay. I don't think WWE was going to do that again. That was, you know, as a moment in time. And sure. so it hit me when I looked at their children. Their children are going to grow up with millions and millions of dollars. Probably, yeah. Yeah, just off, off the fucking contract, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. And, like, they did that. And they did it in a way that never, like, it never should have happened. Because not only are you who you are and, you know, you got the stereotypes back then, but then you're not going to go to WWE either. So you're going to do this what? You're going to sell T-shirts? T- you're going to, like, maybe maybe social media will come around and you'll kind of master that. You'll You'll tweet a little bit. You're going to do that, and then you're going to be running a fucking wrestling company, making millions of dollars, setting your children up, setting your family up in a different direction for the rest of their lives. Mm. All on really breaking the rules and resisting every single thing that would have been the smart thing to do. Yeah, yeah. And that's got to be honored somewhere because I respect the hell out of that, and I'm still not doing it in my life. Like, I lecture myself as I try to inch a little bit closer to it because... Man, you, you can't trust the systems that you know. The systems are failing f- faster than individuals right now. Yeah. But people are still like, you know, well, the, let the building fall in on my head. You know, I've got to be here. <laughs> and these guys, man, they did it differently. Yeah, they did. Um, 
Keen Farrell, who we call Coach, uh, who was posting recently in the LOP forums, which is a great forum that everyone should check out, talking about how um, a lot of people, you know, who, who come into indie wrestling, because he is an indie wrestler, kind of in a smaller level up in Canada, a lot of people come in, you know, they come in and they don't really know what they want out of the business, and they do a lot of hard work, you know, and they really beat themselves up, and then, you know, they're in their late 30s, uh, early 40s, they have trouble playing with their kids, because, you yeah. know, they... they they came to do this thing, but they didn't have, like, an idea. They didn't want to go out and get what they really wanted. Um, and they kind of burned themselves out for nothing. So I always hugely respect guys like the Young Bucks, who have worked really hard, who have beat up their bodies, but they did so with such incredible intention and purpose. Yeah. And now here they are, and they've accomplished everything that they said they would do and more. And more. Um, so, yeah, I have huge respect for that. So that's that's just awesome. That's great. It is so great. Um, and Cody Rose tying it to his experiences, you know, it's like a time machine watching the Bucks. Yeah. I go to events with my dad, and, and this is all great storytelling, but it's also very indirectly saying this is not an Im- impersonal corporation monster that doesn't acknowledge human beings. Right, right. You know, right. so it's doing a lot of work here. And then I like the, I like the Young Bucks um, a gimmick wrestling narrative with the, with the Lucha Bros where they're talking about these guys are in the zone they're traveling to cities. They're traveling to countries. They're who we've been for a long time. We're sitting at home playing with our children. And I do have a little bit of a fear that when we get in the ring, it's going to be evident, you know, who is, who's killing it and who's sitting at home right now. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely occurred to me. The Young Bucks, they've been very occupied with all this, like, setting up the business stuff. And, you know, a few years ago, the Young Bucks were, like, everywhere. They were. They were wrestling, like, every day, it seemed. And they are having some match that people were talking about. And now... Not really so much. Now that is more the Lucha Bros. Um, so, yeah, it's sort of an evolution of uh, of something. I don't know. I, I, I like that narrative a lot as well. It made me more interested in the match than I was before. It made me think they're going to frame it in a way that is going to be a lot more pleasing to me than the last time I saw them wrestle. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so, too. <laughs> There's no excuse. Like, they tried to break your fucking neck on your first show out. And then you came in and gave them a receipt. Then nobody needs to be shaking hands. Nobody needs to be dancing. Nobody needs to be gimmicky, like play kicking with each other. You know, yeah. get in there and just like hurt each other, wrestle each other, and see who's who's the better team. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Simple. Um, I do think, and I could be wrong about this because we end the video with Cody Rhodes training at I think the Chip Smith uh, Performance Center in Georgia, and he was at he was at a performance center or a gym or something in Georgia before. I don't know if it's the same one or not. When he was training to wrestle Nick Aldis, maybe it is, maybe it's not. But I wish it would be because, <laughs> like, if he would have a home base in Georgia that he goes to at certain times, I would be a big fan of that. Well, I why wouldn't he? I guess you know he must be there often enough, so I would think it probably is the same. You know, I, I don't know, but I would think. <laughs> so we had this long storyline about uh, Cody. Wrestling a mystery opponent, Brandy not being happy about it, wishing the doctor wouldn't give him uh, uh, allowance, and then he says, you know, he thinks the leg's getting better and he might be able to wrestle, and then MJF just pops up and be like, I wouldn't. <laughs> that, man, the whole video is worth it for the MJF appearance. Oh, for sure. Yeah, what a great, what a great little moment just right at the end there. Um, because yeah, you can interpret that a few ways. MJF, you know, is he in with Brandy maybe a little bit? Uh, could be. Is he? Does he know who Cody's opponent is? He just wants to warn him off of that. Does he just want to put Cody down because he's MJF? He puts everybody down. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know. But I like the moment. I like it a lot. Yeah, there's something to underline where you're now you're now like VP or 
EP or something with a P and you know you're you're a grown man with a suit and like who would what young star would not want to be you but the reality about aging even if you're aging successfully you kind of want to be that young star too right like I think Cody really wants the approval of MJF you know he wants to feel like I, I'm still young I'm still plugged in you know so to watch the new kid on the block being the only guy who is manipulating like the the guy in the company there's the, and and doing it in such a, a subtle way man that, that's some good stuff happening with MJF and uh Cody Rhodes at the moment mm, for sure for sure okay we're going to switch gears we're going to talk a little NWA uh 10 pounds of gold and we're going to also talk um, about vocabulary here, because one thing I'm having, I just, I just have these things pop in my head, and some of them might appear more than others, but I always talk about what I want a wrestling company. Oh, I don't like it when they do this, and I, I like it when they do that, and I don't, I don't have a vocabulary. It's just almost felt sense like, no, God, they're doing that. That, that means I'll be gone in three weeks, like we talked about. You know, what happens if you're forced to put a vocabulary? And one thing I want to do, I don't want to put a vocabulary necessarily out of narrative mm. so i could sit here and be like i'm an old school wrestling fan that means i like uh competition what kind of competition i like for there to be psychology i like okay psychology and i could just i could break it down in, in a narrative way and it would be rehearsed and maybe not as true but i want i want you to feel free to email me any week and be like, we need to add a vocabulary segment because I was watching something and a word popped out at me. <laughs> okay. I will just, yeah, go ahead. No, I just say fair enough. I don't, I don't know if my mind works that quite that same way, but I will bear that in mind. And anytime you want to come up with one, okay. I'm sure I can come up with one uh, to match. So that's all good. No, that's fine. I just want that allowance to be there. And even if you do it that way, but like, because what I want, I started picking words, and then that word had five other words attached to it. And I'm like, which one do you really mean? What do you really want? So what I'm hoping is, as this year goes on, we could really kind of express clearly with words that got words that knocked off words that knocked off words until we had the most earned language for what we're what we're looking for, what we're talking about. You know, what when else can you do this? Because we just got nothing but time to kill. And so I'll I'll, I'll use I'll do mine first because mine actually came out of weird. Weirdly enough, the whole segment we're doing came out of watching Nick Aldis. <laughs> How about that? And more props. I have, man. Sometimes I don't even like myself, folks. Nick Aldis is he's he's working hard, but still, you know, I give him credit. But is it him? Is it NWA? Is it the production? Is it you know who knows? But we're in, our, so, uh, we're in our own discourse community, so I think we can say it's not Nick Aldis. <laughs> uh, you should see the comments, like. These NWA fans are riding with him. Uh, yeah, I, uh, sometimes people have liked him, so I can't argue with that. Um, I feel like history tells us, though, that it's not the majority, so yeah. we'll see. I'm trying, though, because last time, I'm going to pull this up, uh, 10 Pounds of Gold. What, what video we're watching is a new one. It's um, 10 Pounds of Gold, Good Friends, Better Villain, which, again, they keep bringing me in because I think I'm finally going to hear Marty... Marty, and it's all Nick. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I'll be able to find it, but, man, I'm going to look for it really quick. Because okay. in this video, you're going to have Nick Aldis doing a lot of talking. Oh, yeah. And it's kind of 
He's talking about what the experience of being challenged by by Marty when he thought something completely different was happening. But last week, one of the comments, and it's not just that they like him, but it's always things that blow my mind. So last week it was nobody kind of, nobody has the it factor quite like Nick Aldis. Mm. And like to me, you can say a lot of things about him, but it factor? Okay, here it is. Nick Aldis should be the new James Bond. Because <laughs> he's British and wears suits, I guess? I guess, but it's takes? just like, right, you know... Cool. Are you watching the same Nick Aldis I'm watching? But it's, it's in praise of Nick Aldis because I was thinking about words, and you're going to probably hear some of these words in the future, but I didn't go with them. I was thinking about conflict and conflict in my wrestling app, and then, you know, in the future, I won't do it now, but if I ever pick conflict, I'm going to drill down on what that means. Nuance. Nuance is definitely going to make an appearance. But then what I ended up with was a word with kind of bracketed, so... Maybe we'll figure out which one I want because either consistency of character or truth of character. Mm. And so I think about Steve Austin in 1997, which to me is one of the best runs in pro wrestling history by anyone anywhere ever. And that's before he was, you know, the stone cold that that was in 97, man. And it was it was paranoia. And this guy was just like. DTA don't trust anybody paranoia and I kind of I'm like I'm with you I I grew up watching you I know you've been screwed over and over and over again I get your paranoia and so I was always like yeah paranoia there attack there attack why are you over there doing that to that person they don't deserve that your paranoia shouldn't be there Steve like you're making me uncomfortable as a fan but you know what it's who he was so it didn't matter like you could be Vince McMahon and made him the ringmaster and he attacks you. Or you could be the second guy in the crowd and you kind of maybe looked at him wrong or you didn't and he attacks you. But that's who he was. That was the consistency of the character. That was the truth of who he is. And so Nick Aldis, in my mind, is a logician. He is a man of logic. We'll, we'll talk about being guarded. Billy Corgan does such a good job in this video. Um, how guarded Nick Aldis is even even backstage, much less the man we watch in the suits with the NWA title. He's guarded. But to me, everything he does and says comes through the intellectual. It comes through thought. There is little to no felt sense or emotion there. He is processing it intellectually. So thinking about that, thinking about that being who Nick Aldis is, he says, um, So many people are so effective in so many ways. To be the champion, you have to adapt. So he's talking about adapting. He's talking about his challengers. And he says, I just got outmaneuvered by the villain. This is going to be the beginning of a narrative that's going to spiral. Because at the end of the day, what he is trying to do is intellectually set up that his friend is not his friend. His friend is now an obstacle and an enemy so that he can go at him like that. Mm. But he's never going to get emotional about it. He's never going to be, you know, he's not going to flail his arms. He's not going to raise his voice. He is going to logically get from one place to another. And it just, it starts with this. And this is an intellectual comment. He outmaneuvered me. So what hurts? He outthought me. I'm a thinker. I'm a logician. He outmaneuvered me. So... You get this opinion that he, like, this is a super smart idea. I'm going to go out there 
and I'm going to have a surprise and it's going to be a partner and I'm going to explain our relationship and it's going to make sense to everybody because everything in my world makes sense and he's going to be my Crockett Cup partner and we're going to come together and we're going to win the Crockett Cup. That's excitement in Nicholas's world. He did an intellectual thing and made it a reality and now he's announcing it. Whereas what's Marty doing? Marty is coming out there pissed off because all his friends are dead. Pissed off because he's always overlooked. Pissed off because he's not a heavyweight. Listening to the crowd, pausing for the crowd, listening, realizing the fans are cheering for him and not Nick. And then, do you think he was, Marty was backstage with a pen saying, okay, if I go out there and challenge him, he has these three moves and I don't know if I could get out of these two. And he might beat me because he's this tall and I'm this tall and he weighs this much and I weigh this much and I have to think about this. Or do you think part arrogance, part this is going to be my fucking moment because all my friends left me, part the fans are cheering me more than Nick, that he just made an announcement. Like, I am not going to be your partner. I'm going to be your opponent. But again, when it comes, when the ball comes back to Nick, is it anything that I just said? Or is Nick reading Marty intellectually because Nick, we read people often how we process the world? Mm. And Nick always says, I've told him before, he deserves title shots. And if someone's not recognizing that, go out there and take it. That's something I would have um, advised him if it were someone else. So he is walking through this intellectual thing like, well, he knows I told him this and he knows he deserves this. And I don't think Marty's taking it up like that, but Nick is processing it like that. And that's such a powerful line at the end, especially for an intellectual, because it is, it's a hint of emotion. It's a hint of I'm being hurt, but you only get the hint of it. If it were someone else, he should have done it. I'm a 16-year friend. So uh, still processing. Um, he he kind of gets to the point where he's been embarrassed, and we'll get to that. But Billy Corgan says you saw an unguarded side of Nick Aldis. We don't even see that backstage. And he was unguarded because he was embarrassed. And what, what, is, what, is, what does Nick Aldis say? I just wish he talked to me first. So, again, no. You kind of you, you got embarrassed because, like, you wanted him to be your partner. And he'd rather be your opponent. But now, like, here comes more reason. Here comes more justification um, for what happened. He said, and he says, I'm equal parts impressed and I'm equal parts angry. Again, you're not, you're not that. You're equal parts impressed as the intellectualizing of it. Like, oh, that's a really smart thing he did. He took this and he did that. You're just embarrassed. But like, again, it doesn't show he's telling us, um, he's embarrassed. Then he makes a comment that really to me solidifies what I'm saying here because he gets a little nasty with his friend. It's a little nasty with uh, Marty by saying this is a man who goes out and he, he buys new coats. He buys new clothes. <laughs> he buys new masks. And that's not how you become a world champion. So that is saying, in a way, he's all gimmick. He's all flash. I'm no flash, but I know how to get it done in the ring. And then he says, you know, you can't just say I'm pissed off at my friend because he would rather fight me than to team up with me. He says uh, at the end... We're not really friends anymore. He's an obstacle. Put the children to bed. Um, 
And then listen to this. Put the children to bed because he is an adversary till the end of the transaction in Concord, North Carolina. So, no, it's not embarrassment, and he's not my adversary because I'm mad at him. It's now a contractual fight, and he is. It's, it's, it's a transaction, and I must win it. So, again, going back to the intellectual. And so I don't know if my first word, truth of character or consistency of character, is more about how you book someone's gimmick and character or is it allowing the human being to be the human being? Because as that human being, they're always going to come across as the human being that they are. And of course, there could be context that change it. Something happens to me, it rocks my world. I see it a little bit differently. Mm. But if I'm Nick Aldis, I'm going to process a certain way most of the time. If I'm Steve Austin, I'm going to process a very different way most of the time. So I'm going to try to ground these words in the future as I tr change words, grow words. But one thing I used to say when I did not think on this level, when I did not give myself this space, is if you don't pay attention to history, I can't watch you. And I don't mean history just as Mick Foley wrestled this guy six months ago. Now he's teaming up with him. Maybe we could say that. I'm saying you got to really know what your characters have done and why they've done it, because that will tell you what they will do and why they will do it. And so this one. I think truth of character because consistency of character will come from truth of character. So the lazier word I'll keep pushing out. So my first vocabulary is I want truth of character in the people I'm watching. I like it. I, I like that a lot. Um, I like how much you kind of took out of that video and broke it apart. Um, a couple of quick thoughts. Um, Nick Aldous can say that he is intellectual, but how intellectual are you if you go to a man who is literally called the villain mm. and say, oh, I'm going to trust you to do, you know, the right thing, the thing I expect you to do. You know, perhaps, uh, perhaps you're not as intellectual as you believe yeah. you are, but maybe that just adds to your embarrassment. I like embarrassment. I think embarrassment, um, when it is spelled genuinely, when you get yeah. a real sense of it, is one of the best motivators of wrestling um think of the all-time great terry funk rick flair segment maybe the best wrestling segment i've seen in my life um completely driven by the embarrassment of terry funk by by the feeling he had when he was turned down as a challenger and the way he reacted to that um one of the best things ever so yeah i mean it, that can that can factor right in um embarrassment uh I've never even really thought about it in that word before, but that's a great thing in wrestling that uh, I think you can use a lot. I love that, man. I, I'm trying to – I have a student who's going to write her next paper on embarrassment because I'm trying to redefine that to them that so much of what you can do with your life is dependent on – being willing to go through embarrassment and make it to the other side of embarrassment. If you see embarrassment as something, oh, I can't do that because it's embarrassing. Like, all right, life gets smaller. Can't do that because it's embarrassing. Life gets smaller, 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 smaller. Whereas if you embrace embarrassment, the things that you will learn in the hardship of it and the things that you will master in what is actually the good of it. And so when you see a room stand up and applaud another human being, it's usually because they did something that could be deemed embarrassing, and I think I, I would never do that myself. So there's a lot there. 
And so this is more the negative side of it because the man got hurt. All, all that really that whole video could have been is he hurt my fucking feelings. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, that's not we got to build all these constructs around it because you can't say that. And, yeah, you know, we, we can debate, you know, why you guys feelings hurt. But that's what happened. You got your feelings hurt. But mm, yeah, it's so easy, I think, to kind of compartmentalize uh, anger, sadness, mm-hmm. joy, all these things, like really powerful emotions, but you can really kind of put them aside. But, man, just thinking about being actually embarrassed, it it's really hard to put that, like, in a box. So a lot of people just don't think about it at all. They just don't engage with it. Um, you know, if they can help it. Like you said, they just they avoid it uh, yeah. at all costs. Um but yeah, it's a powerful motivator, and it ties into to pride, and not kind of in the generic way that pride has been tied to wrestling, but yeah. on a deeper level, a way that matters more, I think. So, I think there's a world where it would have been embarrassing for a man Marty size to not take the not be the partner and you know try to challenge for the world title. But sure. you know, how many people went forth and like you know tried it instead, like Bret Hart becoming world champion post Hulk Hogan, you know. There's a lot of embarrassment for that. If, it, if that man, that man is not a draw in Canada and the U.S. and he fails, like man, you're not just an embarrassment for yourself. You set back a whole movement, you know. But mm-hmm. if you can go out of the house ever, and it, this is a lot of mindfulness, you gotta get your mind right, you gotta get your life right. But if you can go out and like I'm gonna do this thing, and like if if it goes well, my I'm better and my world's broader for it. If it doesn't go well. I'm going to embrace the embarrassment. I'm going to laugh with it. I'm going to know that it's a part of growing. And so, you know, there, there can be joy in the embarrassment mm-hmm. because you know what your bigger vision is. Yeah. When you can do that, don't tell me you're not living in a different way than if you're like peeking around every corner because like future embarrassment might be lurking. So absolutely. Absolutely. Um, my other piece of cognitive dissonance with this video, and I did like it a lot. I really respect how hard they're trying to frame this match in a compelling way. Uh, I don't think all this versus Skrull is really anyone's idea of WrestleMania all the time, which is what Corgan threw out there. But they're trying really hard to present it as a big deal. They have, like, a cool poster. They're doing these really good videos to kind of contextualize it. That's really great. I'm all about that. My piece of cognitive dissonance coming away is that I know – as someone who's watched a lot of wrestling, that Marty Skrull is actually a much bigger star and a more respected wrestler than Nick Aldis. So it's a little weird for me to watch Nick Aldis sit alone with his NWA camera, (laughs) which is, let's be honest, the only camera that's on him, and be like, oh, you know, like kind of talking down, like kind of big-timing Marty Skrull a little bit, and be like, oh, I was kind of, you know, I didn't think you were going to get this title shot, but now here you are. But really, Marty Skrull... You know, he's one of the biggest stars in British wrestling. He's booked in New Japan regularly. He's he's significant over there. He's a very strong contender to main event the Madison Square Garden show that Ring of Honor is doing. Will Nick Aldis even be on that card? Mm. I have no idea. You know, honestly, it wouldn't shock me if he wasn't. So, yeah, I mean, uh, you can say, oh, I'm in there. I know how to win. I have the NWA title. And while I respect the history of that, who who was coming for that title that was such a big deal before? Like, what wins can you point to besides beating Cody, you know, in the rematch? And fair enough to that. But besides that, what can you really point to and say, yeah, this is the time that I really knew how to win. And this is when I showed my great wrestling ability that everyone apparently knows about. But I don't think they do because, like, there's no narrative around Magnus um, or I'm sorry, around all this. 
as being this great wrestler. And they had Caprice Coleman coming on and doing what I thought, honestly, were like very insincere sound bites about, mm. oh, he's the, he's the greatest wrestler ever. You know, this is going to be so great. They know each other. They're going to do a million holds or whatever the hell he was saying. I don't know. <laughs> and it like the narrative they were giving me wasn't lining up exactly to what I know about these wrestlers from my own experience, just from my lived experience of having watched them for quite a while. So that was weird to me. I get what they're doing. I like how they're contextualizing it. I worry that they're writing a story that is not going to be able to play out the way they want it to. It's a way, it's a story that's not going to make sense if you don't completely invest in the narrative of these videos. So I don't know. It's interesting. I like the video. I like what you're saying about truth and character, and I think it's cool. I don't know if it's going to play out or not. I'm curious to see. I'm so glad that you said that because, you know, we're always approaching things from one lens or another, and I, I did not even think about any of that. And this opens up a lot of interesting conversation because, in part, I have I have several responses, and I'm interested in hearing what your response are, is to them. So, as NWA, when you are like you know you talk about Nick, I, I take it you're on the NWA camera, and maybe that's the only camera on you. But when Marty's in this feud, he's also by way of the NWA camera. So, true. How much do you think the NWA should like how much should be a narrative within NWA and how much should account for everything everyone's done elsewhere? Mm. I don't know. Just from what, from the way the wrestling world is now, and even from the history of NWA, which is always like the whole point of NWA is to be inclusive of like all the wrestling that happens. Basically. I don't think you can just go out and say, okay, well now, now we're just in our little narrow world and the rules are different in the NWA. And maybe a guy who's a big star in 99.9% uh, .9 of the wrestling world. Well, now maybe he's, like, lucky to get a title shot. I don't know. Like, if it were me, it's hard to say what I would do with the NWA title. But honestly, I would maybe work a little harder to acknowledging the narrative of, like, hey, this title, and they have to some extent, but it's like, this title has been, like, not important for a long time, you know, and we're kind of struggling to bring that back, and we're seeking out the big talent. And they definitely have done that to some extent. So I don't know. Maybe there isn't more they can do. Maybe this is the best way to do it. I, I won't say that it's not, because like I said, they're. I get what they're doing, but still, I, I think it's a hard place to come from, because you can't just come out and say, well, our title's been shit forever, and maybe it's still shit, but we're trying to make it not shit. You know, you have to contextualize it in a way that's going to work, but at the same time, that's kind of true. So, you know, it's, it's tough. As much as I like the idea of the NWA, you have to kind of look at the reality and the perception and all the pieces as well. So I don't really know. I don't know if I can answer your question satisfactorily, but that's, that's my thought coming off of what uh, you said. Not answering it satisfactorily satisfies me because okay. this is, this is part of the great big world wild west that we're in because right. these rules are not defined. So I got three of these. So that was the first one. The second one is, when you are on that camera and it's Billy Corgan talking with his 20 year plan and his money in NWA mm -hmm. and Nick Aldis is talking, should you as a fan think that you're getting a fair narrative or are you getting NWA slant? Because part of the truth of character that I was trying to say, the truth of character for me, for Nick is that um, logician. He's always thinking things logically, but I've also wanted to make that point that, we take on social context. We take on other contexts. It doesn't flip our character, but it, it bends our character. So mm -hmm. a lot of times he's always saying, as NWA champion, right. you need to say this. You need to do this. So to, to me, it's also 
like I'm stepping out of Nick a little bit and I'm stepping into NWA champion because as in, so as NWA champion, is it your job to go out there and talk like that, even if it's not yet like that? Mm-hmm. That's a good question as well. Um, I think what's kind of irking me at the base of this is, yeah, the way they're coming out, they're kind of saying like, well, we already did the work and now the NWA mm. is a big deal again. You know, that's true now. That's not still happening. It's true now. And that's the sense I get from the videos, but it's not the sense I get from anywhere else. You know, NWA, it's almost like, it's a little sad, but NWA title right now, it feels like it's like the TV title of Ring of Honor or something. Mm. You know, and I, I don't say that to be harsh or anything, but they, you know, it's like a mid-card Ring of Honor title right now. That's what it feels like. So to come out and be like, yeah, well, we, we did it already. You know, everyone's talking about NWA now. No, they're not. You know, they were when you were fighting Cody for a hot minute, but no one no one is really talking about this very much, you know? And that's a little sad because they're doing a good job of trying to contextualize it. But I don't know. That's where the dissonance is coming in. If you come out and say, well, the NWA is already a big deal again, and it's I know that it's not, it's going to be a little tougher for me to engage with everything else that you're saying. Do you think, they're a bi- they're, do you think comparatively they're a bigger deal than what maybe – where they started or maybe where people thought they might be. Yeah, I think they are. So they can say that to a certain extent because at one so point just, they yeah, were literally nowhere. The fact that okay. we are here talking about them at all is a sign that they are bigger, you know, than they were five years ago when the title was literally like no one could tell you who NWA champion was because nobody cared, you know. So, so yeah, I mean, they have come some distance and I give them credit for that. I don't know if they've come as far as they're trying to say they have. That's fair. Um I will take a quick time out before I say my third one, but because I thought something that I would, I was thinking like if, if Marty were not to go back to, I, you know, we know, we, we, we kind of know what's going to happen, but yeah. just in my little make believe world here, mm-hmm. if Marty won this belt, you know, I would want him, this you talking about the TV title. I would want him to go into ring of honor and just act like they've never had a world champion before. And so, <laughs> you know, what the struggle has always been is we don't have a world champion. It was Jay Lethal, I think, just broke the record for longest reigning. You know, just act like he doesn't know who Jay Lethal is. And now we got a world champion in the company, you know. And and so just everything that you're complaining about, but, but you're complaining, I think, in a fair way because, you know, this is a somewhat baby face and somewhat straight telling of what NWA is, but like a villain telling of it. Right. You know, it was, oh, my God, like, you know. We could have struggled forever because we got the best wrestling and we put on the best wrestlers ever. But guys, we just never thought like to have a world title. You know, now here we are. So <laughs> I think with a guy like Marty Skrull, you could probably do something like that. And I think it would create more interest. I'll, I, I said it a lot, you know, as much as I kind of respect what Nick Aldis is trying to do, he's yeah. the wrong guy for this job. Yes. He's never going to be able to create that buzz no matter what he does, I think. And, you know, that's just. I think it's just his ceiling, and he can prove me wrong. I always say that. I'm always ready to be wrong about anything. But, uh, it, yeah, you know, if it were to go to Skrull, that would be ten times more interesting, I think, than anything Nick this could do. That's the hard part. And I think whether it's indirectly or directly, if NWA does have a 20-year plan, somewhere on there is the day we admit Nick Gallus, we never really respected you and we were using you until we got someone else. <laughs> Yeah, the day we drop Nick all this. Yeah, and that's, it sucks, yeah. but, man, it, it, in a way, I feel bad for him because, like, again, again, and this is why I keep going back to that he's the guy who raises the kids but knows that, you know, he's not the choice <laughs> because, like, I still respect the hell out of him for carrying the belt because I could not sure. be watching Cody and I could not be watching Marty if he wasn't doing it. Right. But, yeah, it's his job 
it's his job to change that narrative or else we should always be looking for the next guy up. Right. Right. And just from a storyline perspective, then, because I, I take your critique, but could part of the problem, and I don't know, are we going to get to hear from Marty? I don't know. But, like, from a storyline, I would kind of like the fact that maybe this is how Nick has always looked at Marty, and the fact that Marty is more successful has nothing to do with the fact that Nick still looks at himself as better. Like, he's the one who gave Marty a ride when Marty couldn't get to the places. You know, he's bigger, he's Magnus, he's whatever. And Marty, you know... There's a reason, and I don't know if we fully know it, other than wanting to be world champion, where Marty's first thought is, no, no, bro, I really don't want to be your tag partner. You know, I want, I, Yes, I want to challenge you for the world title, but it's also a pretty instant. Like, Yeah, it's fucking Crockett Cup, and they're bringing it back. No no interest in teaming up with you and winning it. Yep. You know, So maybe that's part of Nick Aldis' attitude, and maybe Marty's a little tired of that because of the reality that, yeah, I'm out here doing all this stuff, and you're still you know, coming at me with this narrative. I think if they choose to frame it that way, that's fine. They haven't at all so far. Yes, so I, I don't do. like imagining storylines when nothing really supports that yet. So if they want to change the conversation about this, I think that could be to their benefit. Because right now, yeah, it definitely feels like Magnus is coming out and he's just speaking for the NWA and he's speaking the NWA truth. And there's no real sense, uh, at least within the video itself, that he has any kind of slant about it, you know, because it's all about, oh, I have such respect. I talked to Dory Funk Jr. I did all these, like, really official, like, things. So I am just the official, like, tattoo NWA on my forehead, and I will just be NWA forever because um, it's the only belt I can get, maybe. So I think um, there's a little more interesting when Miz, than the segments where Miz fan will not budge because he's, like, down on something because we don't get this a lot. <laughs> and it's, it's always like, uh, damn, look at Miz fan. Oh, my I, God. Um, I will also say this. It would also help – if I didn't feel like Nick Aldis was feuding with himself. Yes. Because um, Marty Skrull right now feels very <laughs> uninvolved with all of this. I honestly, I don't even know if this is important to Marty Skrull because he yeah. did this segment. It was a good segment. But, man, does he care about the NWA yeah. title really? Or is he just killing time until, you know, his contract is up? I honestly don't know. And that's not really a good look for the match either. Yeah, the only reason I click on these videos is to hear Marty's sit-down narrative. And so we got one of two things happening. Either he does not care and he's killing time, or we got two more months and we're going to get – like we're going to do all this Nick build and then we're going to get a couple of Marty videos, which I'm hoping. I hope, yeah. I mean, they – Billy Corgan should have enough money to send a camera over to Marty Scrolls' yes. house and at least talk to him, for <laughs> God's sake. So please, yeah, make it happen. I'm, I'm okay, hoping. I take that – more than anything you said, I take that critique. and. It's just my hope that, you know, you're not doing everything. You got two months left. You know, you got till the end of April, so you're not giving it all away at one time. Because if, if it's like Cody, you know, that was never one sided, so we'll see. Right, exactly. You know, Tone, Cody made that feud, you know. Yeah. With Nick Aldis was there, and, you know, he did, he did like, oh, I'm the dealer, I'm the, you know, whatever. I, yeah. that, that was what it was. It was all about Cody and his story. He drove everything that I cared about in that story. He could have been feuding with just about anybody, and I still would have invested in that story because it's Cody Rhodes, it's the NWA title, it's the way they framed it. So, yeah, this is the polar opposite. It's everything is trying to be driven by Nick Aldis, and it's just, I don't know, it's not really happening for me that much. It's interesting enough that, like, I would watch the match, like, if we cover it on the show, which we probably will since we watch all these videos, but it's not something I would probably seek out on my own at this point. Um, that's fair. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens, but that's kind of where we're at with it. That's the truth of character again, though, because Cody yeah. Rhodes, 
Cody Rhodes is out there bleeding. Uh, this is for my father. Oh, and Nick, Nick Aldis is like. It's powerful. And yeah. Nick Aldis' truth is not powerful right now. <laughs> but it's, it's that logician stuff, too. It's like, oh, well, um, I'm champion, so we're going to make a deal. You know, he just like, <laughs> like smack that man out of it. Like, it's fair because we're all different. Like, but at the same time, if you want to be world champion, I think uh, maybe it was Paul in the Bible said that he became all things to all people. You got to become more than just like a thinker. Like you got, you got to embody something if you're gonna. Like this is not even just being world champion. You're trying, trying to fucking revive a brand. Mm, yeah. So again, I feel sorry for you, man. But at the same time, you step up or get out of the way. Right. When Terry Fogg was embarrassed, what did yes. he do? He exploded mm-hmm. over everything. He tried to kill Ric Flair. What did Magnus do when he was embarrassed? He did a little video about it. He's like, oh, yeah. I, I feel. He didn't even say, he's like, oh, well, I'm, I'm a little angry and I'm a little impressed. Yes. Like, how about, you said it yourself, like, he's telling, man, show me, man, show me something to, like, show what you're feeling. Get me invested in how you're feeling about this. You don't have to go out and do table spots or anything, but don't just sit there in your James Bond suit and be like, mm. I am shaken but not stirred by this feud, you know? Like, I don't <laughs> care about that. Come on, man. You're killing it. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, if it was the other way around, Mark, at minimum, Marty would have sent his uh, his his crew after him, you know, or yeah. if not, shown up somewhere himself. Sure, he would have, he would have broken one of his fingers or something, honestly, you know, to be disrespected like yeah. that. So, so yeah. We may have came to a hard truth that neither of us planned, but as a man who is so methodical and so... That NWA camera might be his worst enemy. It might be a false security that he doesn't need. Could be, yeah. Yeah, get out of the camera and go do something, man. Yeah, I want to see Magnus. Uh, I'm sorry I keep calling him that. That's just how I'm used to calling him. But yeah, I just want to see Nick Aldis be more than just like a poster boy of the NWA. Because that's yeah. not really a character, you know. Yeah. That can be something that you do as a character. But that can't be your character, you can't just be like, I am generic NWA man, and that is my life, and that you know. And if that if that's really all you are, I don't care. You know, I like the NWA over the years, but not enough to invest solely in that. So I'm sorry. You know, you got to give me more. But I remember when he was TNA's LeBron James on Sports Illustrated, <laughs> next big thing, and he was the same thing to me then that he was now. Yeah. That he is now. Sure. Yeah. He, so. he he rarely impressed me in TNA, and he he has not impressed me all that much now either. So. He kind of is who he is, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. All right, buddy. That's a lot. Let's let's do some vocab, Ms. Fan. Uh, we're going to run out of time. I will skip mine for this week. We can come back to it. Uh, I don't know if I came up with a real strong one anyway. So okay. next time we do one of these, I will definitely have nice. one. Nice. We have way too much to talk about, though, and like only a little over an hour to talk about it. So let's do it. Very suspenseful. So ladies and gentlemen, convince <laughs> me. Who we got? We got, and I know you're excited about this, we have the man himself, Cody Rhodes. Yes. I know you've seen him a lot in the videos. I know you've seen him a little bit in the ring, but I'm guessing you probably haven't seen that much of Cody um, kind of on his own terms outside of those little those little bubbles since he left the WWE, and probably not even in the WWE, actually. I, yeah. You, yeah, so um, I have uh, a couple of promos here. I picked two because I like two of them quite a bit. I thought they gave us a little something about Cody. We got two matches plus a bonus match. I don't know if you got to it or not, but, yeah, I mean, uh, you're the one getting the fresh impressions, so why don't you uh, lead us through a little bit, and I'll, I'll jump in as needed. Was there a third match? 
There was a bonus match. I don't know if you uh, saw it. It sounds like I would have watched it. I, I, I missed it. I would have watched it, though. All right, well, go back. Well, we can talk about it next week, maybe, yeah. if you want. It's got Marty Scurll in it, so I know Damn you it. check that out, too. <laughs> okay, yeah, well, we will. So we'll have a lot of carryover. This is, this is what it's like, folks, in the wild, wild west of pro wrestling. we got two carryovers, and I'm fine with that, so we watched two promos. I have seen both of these promos. I have forgotten I had seen them. <laughs> um, Cody Rhodes. One is his first Bullet Club he, um, promo. He's in the ring. The Ring of Honor fans are pissed off because that's not honor at all, sir. <laughs> and I love when he'll turn it around on them. And he tells them, you're misguided thinking you were going to judge me. I'm here to judge every one of you. And these fans can't stand up to judgment. So maybe think about sometimes when you're throwing out shit from the crowd, <laughs> Cody Rhodes doesn't turn it around on you. Talks about mediocrity. Uh, Ring of Honor, uh, Ring of Honor, my ass, mediocrity. Um, he says, "Tell them I wrestled in Japan and they'll cheer." And sure enough, fans start clapping for the first time. <laughs> Even he's making fun of you doing that, and I'm judging you. So Cody Rhodes, um, and then that very powerful. I think a lot of people saw too. I think New Japan was this when he went, was it the U.S. title or yep, Inter- the, the US. IWGP U.S. Championship? Um, yeah, and this one, yeah, this was very good. I thought. Yeah, man, he lets loose on this one. He's standing at a table, Brandy's with him, and you know, one of my favorite things that I've ever seen him do is he talks about Juice Robinson being an NXT kid. He's Dusty's kid. Well, I'm his actual goddamn kid. Mm. It's a different thing. You understand that? And Cody Rose is making you understand that. If you're talking about Dusty and you're not talking about me, you're doing it wrong. When he sits down, Brandy sits down, and he'll take questions. He'll take <laughs> questions. So I'm going to say the first thing, and this is going to bleed over into the wrestling. Cody confuses me in a way that is both good and a tiny bit problematic because I think I think he's very flashy as far as he can embody something. He can he can make the things that he wants to to express show up in his body. But I think he's also a very very methodical man. And I, I think I started learning that more now that he's got this other role. But now I'm watching it all throughout these matches. Like he seems like to be in deep thought with things. I love both promos. I'd like to hear your opinion about them. But the thing that I came away with is that Cody Rhodes is always at like 80 or 8 out of 10. Like, he's just going to sit there at 7 or 8 out of 10, and he's not going to fall below that. But my challenge for him on the level he's going to be is, does he know how to take it up to a 9 or a 10? Mm. That's my question. I like that a lot. I think um, I might disagree a little because I think as a character, he's capable of reaching that 9 or 10 as is. Um I really liked the Bullet Cup promo. I especially liked the U.S. title promo, uh, just for the passion that we saw there. I think, I like what you said, he's good at embodying something. So I think that's definitely one of his strengths. He can kind of take on who he wants to be. He can work a storyline very well, like uh, really like few others, in my opinion, and work it in a way that is effective and that translates well. Um, these are the things that he is legitimately great at, or potentially great at, if you prefer. The wrestling itself, I see what you're saying. Methodical, maybe more an 8 out of 10. I can see that. I can see that. I think that's borne out to some extent in these matches, but we can talk in a little more detail as we go into them. Oh, yeah. Because I, I wasn't looking at anything you did in the matches and like you're doing that wrong or you're not doing that well. Mm-hmm. But can you bump it up, especially if you're a babyface? 
Because one thing I loved all in, but that that is the home crowd of home crowds right. ever in wrestling, and he he had them. But at the same time, I'm always this is just my point of view. I'm always gonna dock you a point for the Triple H approach of like let's stop the match and have a bunch of people do dramatic things. It's not that I'm against that ever happening, but I'm not gonna leave there saying you you carry the emotion yourself when Diamond Dallas Page is out there doing diamond cutters and Brandy's sitting over you crying because like you might be fucking dead and you got to stop the match. Right. So right. you know I need to see like can Cody Rose make you feel that without all the bells and whistles? Hmm. Yeah. So that's the one thing I'm after. A big, the the sub subheading here is um, only based on one match. Abushi impressed me more than the majority of the convince me folks we've watched. <laughs> There's a reason for that because he's friggin' amazing. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's got the one thing that I'm asking if you're gonna wrestle that style, which is he can slow down and make his moves matter, then he might go, you know, the difference between going off and doing some of that versus living permanently in it. Right. And, like, his fucking kick to the chest, uh, he uses, like, a fucking clothesline, so you're coming out the ropes, and he just kicks you in the chest in a way it looks like it chops you in half. Mm. Not, like, get, uh. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to learn fucking language. Maybe that's why I did that second. But this is, I want it, I don't mind stylistic. But to me, it's like too. Once in a while, I will read a book because it's like stylistically, it's just like oh, some weird shit and like, but I don't want everybody doing that. It's just I'm going to it because it's like wow, I don't see this every day, but more times than not, I want content that does something. How if you want to be stylistic on top of that, more power to you. But I want the content to move me, and it's the same thing with the wrestling. I want the, I want to see the move hurt somebody and and affect me, and then that's like first check mark. After that, then we can talk about how you do it differently or better. Right, right. And this is this this match, man. I I like it. I like the storyline. You know, Cody has turned heel. He's turned on Kenny. Kenny has reunited. Um, and it's, it's a very arrogant, very arrogant Cody who dominates the match. But again, like I said, just the it, the offense is just so good. And again, I'm almost oh God. We're we're doing an AEW show, and part of, part of me. Almost wants Marty Skrull. I don't want him to stay in Ring of Honor because I can't watch Ring of Honor. They just, they don't they they're missing something. But I like that some guys are staying with with New Japan or, mm. or Ring of Honor because there's there's something there's some character in that. Yeah. I'm now, I'm now cheering this man. Like if you would have been more excited if he as, than me if he went to AEW because you are a fan of his relationship with Kenny and you've watched him before me. I haven't really watched him. And so I kind of got to know him this week and read two interviews where he was kind of a little bit offensive, like only a tad offensive, like, you know, let them go run off and change the world the way they think. But I'm I'm here to do this. <laughs> and I came to like him for that. I came to like his staying in New Japan. And then I watch him. And again, a man just his moves. I like his moveset and I like the way he delivers it. Yeah. I mean, physically, I think. In a world of guys who can deliver physically, he may be number one, uh, just in terms of what he can do. Uh, certainly top ten, I think. Um, and that's not like it's not just the flips. Yeah, it's all it's his offense. Yes, he can flip if he needs to, and he does often. But you know, his strikes are great. Yes, he can wrestle on the mat. He's really uh, almost a total package in the ring, and I think just innately very charismatic. Um, I want to push back slightly. You said I'm a fan of his relationship with Kenny Omega. 
that's both true and not. Um, I like the idea of it, but I don't know. I watched like maybe a dozen Cody matches just to kind of like, just cause I wanted to watch more cause I, I enjoyed making this set a lot. And every time Omega was involved, it mm. kind of took a downturn for me. And, uh, I don't know between he and Ibushi, it can be really melodramatic in a way that was not working for me. So maybe honestly, separation is the best thing for them. Um, so I'm going to say that, but yeah, uh, I love what he can do in the ring. I like what he did uh, with Cody here. Um, obviously, the spot of the match, you got to talk about that table spot because, uh, holy smokes, that kind of made me jump out of my seat a little bit. Um, for anyone who wants to know, this is the match from uh, Dominion in May, not the match from Wrestle Kingdom earlier that year. I know some people uh, prefer the Wrestle Kingdom match. I like them kind of equally, so I just decided to go with this one. Um, and, yeah, I, it, uh, it's a very good match, I think. It's not a great great match like the best i ever saw but it's very good i think very good is is a good description and i'm about two notes away from the, uh, the table okay sure i just i love cody's awareness and his ring presence and then when he puts on the figure four this is an isaac Kong compliment mm. and as more and more the more i watch this indie stuff the more you're going to be my favorites when you do these things cody has the figure four on and then it becomes apparent after a little while in it that your opponent is wiggling around and trying to get out of it, and he fucking cranks that thing up to another level. Mm, yeah. Versus just sitting in moves until your opponent decides to reverse it. Like It's a small thing, but it does so much for me. Number one, it's good psychology, but number two, I can't stop paying attention because like you're cranking it up. There are levels in this thing instead of like, okay, they're in a rest hold, and like I'll walk out of the room for a little bit. So just good, smart wrestling. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, the table is where it kind of turns around. Cody gets one of them strong, uh, sturdy, narrow tables that they use. Yeah, those are brutal. Yeah, I can't so believe I think, they use those. I think we're about to have a big – so you were, were you a big fan of the, the table spot? Just the fact uh, – the way that Cody went halfway through yeah. it um, – like I said, I'm a fan of things that are visually striking. I'm a fan of things that uh, that that come across as authentic. And man, yeah, I, he was really driven <laughs> about halfway through that table, and uh, it just looked painful as hell. And the way he's able to regroup and keep going yet still sell it, I like that a lot uh, as far as it went. But it sounds like maybe you you didn't like some aspect of it. I have a critique of it going in, okay, and then I have praise of it coming out. All right, so. I was not a fan of how it started uh, because Cody brings in this narrow table and he sits it like oh. where the turn sits it where in, in the turnbuckle. I when forgot. Going, no, yeah, the setup for the spot is actually terrible. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to do a superplex, and I'm thinking there's no goddamn way that your opponent is coming anywhere close to that table if right. you succeed on your move. So that means what? You're not going to hit your move. And so right. uh, a long time ago, Rashid Wallace of the NBA. Uh, I think he fouled somebody, and he was arguing with the ref that was not a foul. And then the guy goes through the line, and he misses his free throw, and he yells out. The Rashid Wallace yells out, "Ball don't lie," you know, because you did. I didn't fucking foul you, so you don't get your point. And to me, the table doesn't lie either, and the table is not in the spot that it needs to be if you're trying to execute that move. And so, obviously, you're not going to hit it, and he pays a price for it. But in the paying of the price. So he gets that uh, double stomp, and it does not break the table. 
and he goes up there to do it again, and he breaks the table this time, but it's not break completely. It's just like his back falls through, and two places in his back is cut. His back is red, mm. and I love the visual of that, and I love the visual of that being Dusty Rhodes' son because those are that. That's what you used to look like in any match in the 80s NWA. Like, it's not just blading or bleeding or any of that. It's also, like, your skin's a different color. Like, your skin turns red because people are beating on you. So it comes, they come out with a hell of a visual that, to me, uh, gave the match character that I don't think it would have otherwise had. For sure, yeah. I mean, it was definitely the most memorable thing. And I love you tying that to Dusty Rhodes because I was just challenged recently to watch the uh, Bunkhouse Stampede match mm. from 1988. And uh, it's not the greatest match ever. The stipulation's a little awkward, but, man, there's a moment in the match where it's, uh, I think, Dusty and Arn Anderson, and there's a belt involved, and Arn is just, like, raking, like, the yeah. like the spike of the belt across his arm, not even his head. He's just, like, ripping into his arm, and yeah. he's bleeding all over, and, yeah, I don't know, just, like, yeah. So the roads get, they, they get into some brutal stuff, and uh, I'm a fan of that, being multi-generational. Yeah, blood is such an easy thing, but we don't talk enough just about, like, the bruises and the blueness and the redness. Oof, yeah. You know, people just getting in there and, like, getting at each other. Yep. And so here's something for Cody Rhodes. Okay. Let's say for whatever reason, you're not going to be the guy that can crank it up instantly to a 9 or a 10. One other potential path I see from him is just doing these kind of really long matches that – by the time they're over, do one, two, or three things that you don't expect in a way that creates a conglomerate that might get you up a number or two. Mm. So, like, to me, he either needs to be able to hit that next note or he needs to be known as a guy who... No, watch this guy's match. Something you know, You're not going to believe something. Like, they're going to tell a story. They're going to do a thing. There's going to be something, you know, so... Right. You know, a couple of paths, and and that's a high standard because there's nothing wrong in this world, um, of having a career where you're a seven or eight all the fucking time. You know, sure. and this is a man who, you know, at one time maybe he just had to wear face paint or twirl his like mustache. You know, <laughs> so there's a lot of makeup going on. But man, that's I, I'm excited. I'm excited to see because, you know, this solidified a lot of what I thought of him, but it made me more. More aware of what he can do, maybe what he doesn't do. So I learned a lot in this so far in this uh, convince me segment. That's really good. I had a lot of fun making it. I had a lot of fun watching it. Like I said, I even watched a bunch of bonus matches for myself. And even though none of those matches were really like, I would not necessarily go out and be like, oh, this is the greatest match of this whole year or anything. You know, I, I enjoyed all of them. So if you can consistently be an eight, yeah, there are worse things, you know, that you can be because there are Much guys worse. who can be a ten on one night and then like a two on yeah. five other nights, you know. And honestly, that's worse to me. So yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed this set. It's one of my favorite convince me's as well. Um, so yeah, uh, we got one other match to talk about. So uh, uh, it's actually for that NWA title that I was talking about. And I will just say, without commenting on what I thought the quality of the match was. If the match, if the title was being contested between two guys like this, I'd be a lot more interested in the 10 pounds of gold video. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I will say really, really quick, I know we are, you know, time is elapsing, but I, <laughs> here's why I don't think this is unfair on Cody, though, because hmm. Cody keeps saying this thing about how we're not going to fall into the traps of, 
oh, they're just booking themselves to be the champions. Like, people are aware of that. Right. And then he'll come back with a second statement. But it's also about the fans and how they react. So if you're the guy out there getting the best reactions, then you're the guy that should be, you know, on top. And so right. there's this extra pressure now that somewhere they're going to be champions. Young Bucks may be more so quicker. But if Cody becomes world champion, it's even more so of are you taking this where nobody else in the company is? Right. Right. Or they're gonna they're gonna rain down on him. It's not even fair. He shouldn't even have to because like what the fuck right does Jericho or Kenny Omega have to be the main event guy any more than him? But you know this is where we are. And Cody, I think it's gonna get hit. No, we'll see. And this may I may be wrong, but it's funny to me that I think Cody Rhodes will get hit in ways that Kenny Omega won't, and they share the same uh, title under their name. Mm. That's interesting. I'll be interested to see. I'll tell you my thought right now. I think that he will be more of a hit with guys like us. And yep. less of a hit with the majority of the audience that they're trying to get. Um, and that's just the reality of how it is, I think. Because, yeah, people have known of Kenny Omega and of Cody Rhodes all this time. And overwhelmingly, they prefer Kenny Omega. You know, and that's that's <laughs> not me. I, I don't even really no, quite right. get that. But, yeah, no, that is like the vote has already been cast to some extent. Um, so, yeah, who knows what could change in the future. I'm interested to see how it goes. I would be a fan of Cody as champion personally. I do also just want to briefly say, it's easy to say, oh, well, we will only give the title belts to people who are getting the fan reaction, but the fans react based on how you present your yes. roster, Preach. so you cannot just then say, you know, because Triple H will get very big reactions, yeah. you know, without commenting on whether he's good or not, he has consistently been put in a role where he is able to succeed, um, you know, for whatever, for like 20 years or something, so yeah, you know, if you tell someone that someone's a big deal, they'll probably go for it, at least eventually. So, yeah. I don't know. they got to be a little careful with that, too. They do. And how do you construct the company? Because and all of a sudden, the biggest thing about WrestleMania is, what will their entrance look like? Oh, that guy, why does he always have these badass entrances? Right. You know, like, that. anybody could have that entrance. You know, you just gave it to somebody. For sure. You know, and that's the same thing with this. And it's also, the flip of that is, these fans are not fucking consistent either. You know, so, like, are you going to flip the belt every week? Because... They might hate the guy if you give him the belt, you know? <laughs> yeah, so it's, for sure. It, it's complicated. But one thing I did look up, Cody Rhodes is 33 years old, uh, Willie Max 32, and that made me happy on both accounts. Uh, yeah, absolutely so. Uh, if anyone didn't know, yeah, that is the second match we're talking about. Cody Rhodes defending that NWA championship during his very brief reign, maybe his only defense, actually, uh, against Willie Mack on a, uh, a Ring of Honor uh either episode or show, or I don't know what the format was exactly, but yeah, so that's a match. I didn't even know what happened. I was really glad to find it, and uh, I really wanted to include it even before I saw it, because I'm a big fan of Willie Mack, and he's a guy that I hope AEW is able to sign. I know he's got some ties to Impact, maybe some other places. I think he's a very charismatic guy, and he could be very valuable for the company, so I wanted to throw him in here, and I think the match, I think it bore out pretty well that, uh, that both he and Cody uh, are pretty valuable guys. He's also an NWA champion at this moment. That's true. They're, what is it, the North American, no, what is it? I don't know. Their secondary title. Yeah, I should know because I just threw <laughs> that out. But, you know, such the is life. The fact that we don't know is a little bit telling, actually. Yeah. But, yeah. The one thing I also got from this, this is going to take away from my match in this segment because I did know Cody Rose better. But I, feel, I still feel like even knowing Cody and watching this, we do this to get impressions. We're not doing this to be definitive. Right. I said in this, you really need to see a competitor's body of work to come to know them. Um, 
all of this is just a preview of AEW. Right, right. Because even now, I don't feel like I can fully say it. But And that's also, when are you watching? How do you feel? Because a lot of these matches, especially when I can't get stuff done in the weekend, I'm getting up at 5.30 or 6.30, and this is like the third or fourth thing I've watched in a row, I might find myself in the middle of the match, you know, kind of fading a bit. Am I doing it because of the match, or am I doing it because of the state that I'm in? For sure. And so then I go around saying, well, you know what? He couldn't even keep my attention, or she couldn't even keep my attention for the whole whole match. Well, guess what? You know, it's also you, and it's also the context. And so with me, this match taught me a lot because I had that kind of mid, mid-match where I was kind of fading out because I was thinking about, oh, what are we going to talk about on the show? We got to also, you know, I got to be, we're about to go on the air. Mm. But then by the time the match was over, I was like, God damn, they told a story. Yeah. And that might be Cody's guy. Cody might be the guy that just sneaks up and punches you in the mouth and you never see him coming no matter how many times he does it. Because every time I'm thinking, okay, I really like what he does, but it lacks something. I really like it, but it lacks something. But by the end of the match, I'm like, you know what? Wow, you got me. You got me again. And I am as big a Willie Mack fan as you can be as well. I loved him. Mm. Oh, God, I don't want to say it, because I've been kind of mad. Maybe this is immaturity. Oh, God, I've been mad at Lucha Underground, so I'm not in the thread with all you guys talking about, oh, my God, they need a fifth season, because I'm mad at them. I don't like Lucha Underground. Their videos started falling off. They booked Jack Swagger. Go away. And maybe I'm doing all of that because it hurts too much for me to admit how much it will hurt when they go away. Because all these motherfuckers that I like, I think, where, why do I like them? Where do they come from that I like them? It's always Lucha Underground. Yeah. God damn it, they got me. Oh no, Nick Aldis, I'm in my embarrassment. And it hurts Nick Aldis, but I'm just going to admit mine. I just realized right here on air that I've been putting up a wall and that somewhere Lucha Underground is going to hurt me with this reality. But so on and so forth we go. Yeah. Mm, Okay, man. He goes coast to coast to Willie Mack, and I like that a lot. Uh, I love Willie Mack, man. And it's funny that he's wrestling a Rhodes here because the guy he's kind of reminded me of is mm. Dusty himself, actually. And, you know, it's because he's a bigger guy, but he's a guy who moves with this incredible agility. It's about his charisma. It's about the way he carries himself. I love Willie Mack. I think, you know, um, he's probably signed to Lucha Underground, so if that working contract or whatever is a real yeah. thing, then he could be a shoe-in. I think he'd be a wonderful pickup for AEW, so I hope they're going to do it. Now I need to say something that's confusing to me because okay. is it Caprice? Caprice Coleman, yeah. Yeah, I every time that he's in, been in a role in this series, and I've had to, you know, when he was in the ring with uh, Nick Aldis and Marty Scurll, and when he's doing commentary on the video we just watched, I have rarely found someone who irritated me more. He's so annoying. Okay. <laughs> he is like like and like stop leaning into the fucking frame. When they're in the ring, like having this kind of historical thing that's unfolding, he's like, "Did you see that? This thing's happening." He just said, "No, don't do that. Let the thing, let it breathe, let it breathe." But then his commentary in this match on Willie Mack, I thought was top notch. Like it helped me, like telling me that Willie Mack is all about misdirection and he's always in the place that you don't think he would be. And then I started watching it. And every fucking time he was, and it was, it was beautiful because, like you said, he already, you know, he's not that average size wrestler, 
And now he's not doing what a wrestler should do. And Cody's going for a moonsault. He kind of just walks off and he's by the ropes. And he's like, and he's like, I told you earlier, he's not going to be where you think he's going to be. And Cody's like looking under his legs and he's not there because he's he's a guy who's about misdirection and he did it to you again. So I like that a lot. Yeah, I mean, if Coleman could tone down uh, his very, very annoying tendencies, of which he apparently has many, I agree, all three times I've heard him, he's been annoying. Um, But yeah, it's it's not that he has no insight. He is a former wrestler, current wrestler. I'm not sure exactly if he's still wrestling or not. But, you know, he's got insight. He knows the scene. He brings a little bit of a different perspective. So, yeah, man, zero in on that and stop... Like, I don't know, it's such an over-the-top, like, clownish yeah. behavior. Or be a manager. That. Yeah, for sure. Or like, be, yeah, no, you're right. Actually, that could be a great role for him, too. So, good yeah. points. Good points. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing that because, like, I felt like he was Willie Max manager and this thing he was doing it well. But whereas <laughs> every time he's in that, like, suit or, like, I am being super serious, like, no, you're not. And you're, in, you know, doesn't, so, yeah, whatever. But this is a good match. Good match. Um, a couple of stunners for Cody's Trouble. But he kicks out. Uh, he's able to hit, I think, the crossroads. I believe so. That's usually what he hits, yeah. This is a rugged match between two baby faces. Co- and Cody's Cody's walking that line because he's kind of like baby face NWA champion, but not maybe necessarily baby face. The kind of issue you're talking about is like, how do you how do you account for all your personalities in all these different spaces? <laughs> right, yeah. And that's one of the modern challenges in wrestling because uh, there are all these companies and you gotta got to work for a lot of them. But they all they might be telling different stories a little bit, so it can be tough. But I think uh, there's a good way to do it. I like this match a lot. This is probably actually one of my favorite Cody matches that I've seen. Um, again, not something maybe at the end of the year where I'd be like, oh, that was the best match of the whole year. No, probably not. But a really, really good match. Uh, I think I actually liked it a little more even than the Ibushi match. So that's that's saying something. Yeah. I like Ibushi a lot. It's, I like them about the same, and I don't know if that's. Two different kind of people they had two different kind of matches with, and that's really good. Or again, is that just like, oh, I liked, I liked, I Cody liked it, you know? Right. <laughs> so, uh, always more to figure out, and thankfully we got a whole year before we even decide if we're, if we're riding with these folks or not. So, Indeed. you know, uh, we, we may well do a bonus matchup with Convince Me because we got another Cody match that I did not see. So, lots still to come if you're a Cody Rhodes guy. Um, yeah, we'll have a little bit more maybe next week. Lovely. I like it. Okay, whose house? Swerve's house. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it wouldn't... Why Swerve? I hate that. I really just hate that he's called Swerve. It's like a weird insider Vince Russo term with no relevance to who he is as a person. Because he's not even... It would be stupid even if he was. But if he was a guy who, like, his character was, he would, like, misdirect you... Uh, or he would surprise you a lot, but he he's not that because he doesn't even really have a character. <laughs> Nobody's stock on this show has dropped more for me than Shane Strickland's because uh, I really liked him as Killshot, and I think he's been badly exposed as himself. So that all right, that's my opening comment on uh, MLW Fusion: The Legacy Series. I'm glad we um that we at least agree on because. I'm trying to be. I, I need to email Doc today. So it'd be weird. Like this is the world we live in. Will he? Will he hear me say this on the show before I actually say it to him or not? But like, I am enjoying owning this, being the guy who doesn't know things. And then like one of my problems is if I say this guy does not have charisma or like I'm not feeling him, 
is that because he really doesn't or because I don't have the context to know how to appreciate the way that charisma is demonstrated in 2019? <laughs> I think that question's a little too... I don't know if you can even ask that question because charisma is different to different people, I guess. You know, it's just it's it's subjective at some point because, yeah, there are some people who, who really love Shane Strickland, who probably would say he's very charismatic. Yeah. Uh, I don't see that at all. But we live in a world where Kenny Omega is apparently the best wrestler of all time. But every match I watched that he was involved with Cody was like the worst match I watched on the Cody set when I was making it. So. You know, I'm just a, a really different mindset from, I guess, a lot of modern fans. Um, so I guess I'm maybe I'm in between you and them. Um, I, yeah, so we'll just yeah, try to navigate that. Because there is and isn't something to it. Like, how many people are going to say, whether you like Dusty Rose or not, like he doesn't have charisma? True. I find like not that many. Maybe more say, than you think. I don't know. It's yeah, a weird maybe. World. <laughs> if so, I, I don't know what to tell you because I – Turn your felt sense up a little bit would be my. Uh, There's a lot that gets tied into it when you're trying to figure out charisma because you yeah. know who's charismatic, Hulk Hogan, you know one of the most charismatic guys ever, but yes. yet also very unlikable to guys like you and me sometimes, and to a lot of people because it's kind of turned on him over yeah. the years. But it's a different time and place. It's a different kind of charisma. It's a different way of seeing it. So it's really hard to say, I think. It's hard. I don't know. This is a deep discussion. This week has been has yielded a lot of discussions, and it's good. But like, is it? Oh God, has his charisma changed, or has his standing in the world changed? Yeah, that it's perspective as well. I hate is. Hulk Hogan. Like, I've never been a Hulk Hogan fan, but man, I, I've never said. Except maybe. God damn it. This is a discussion for another time because it's then really difficult. You don't have to be on steroids and weigh three hundred pounds, but it's weird. But I feel like in 94, I wasn't so sure about where his charisma was. Yeah. But then, you know, the NWO Hogan, yeah. But, like, most of his career is just obvious. But, again, like, Shane Strickland, I don't know if Swerve has some – is that, if there's some Urban Dictionary uh, take mm. on that. But if there is – like, he's not that either. Like, to me, <laughs> he's like – Whatever it is, it's not him. Yeah. He should have his shirt like tucked him. in and be wearing, like, like a pullover. You know, he's he's very he's almost he's damn near preppy and before he is like like someone that I would fear. Like every time I see him with uh, Selena, I think Selena's gonna beat the shit out of him. <laughs> like he's low he's low low tone. He's very uh I don't know. I don't like it. Put the mask back on him. Again, like Lucha Underground that they never go wrong. Lucha Underground made so many people more than that they were, which is another reason it's one of the greatest companies ever. So uh, I will say this. We we opened this show talking about Shane Strickland. We're told he's been seeing doctors all week because of that mess, and I really like that yes. touch, and it is my prayer that next week Pentagon versus Shane Strickland is a match where Pentagon is working over the eyes like it were any other body part. If he targets the eyes for the whole match, I will probably be on cloud nine because I love unique psychology matches, and I would love them to take that into that match. I'm not holding my breath. Because yeah. it could very easily just kind of be generic indie match, but uh, I'm hoping because I would love that. I would love that too. I don't have the guts to have hope for that, but now that you now that you put it out there, it might transfer over. Okay, we'll see. You know, I I fear they'll just run out and hit their moves. You know. Yeah, there's a good chance. There's probably a better than even chance that that's what they'll do, but I have hope. So here we are. The traditional element of MLW reminded me why I grew up cheering for heels because. 
when we come on the air, we're reminded that the, the name of this show is Double Jeopardy because Pentagon, as you said, blew the mist into the face of the champion. The uh, powers that be didn't like that, so they took his title shot away from him, and now he has to beat Pen- uh, he has to beat Phoenix in order to get a shot. And you might be like, he already beat Phoenix and he earned a title shot, and I would be like, yes, he already beat Phoenix. And he earned a title shot, and that title shot is still earned. And now you're gonna make him like win the same match again when he has not done anything to not earn the title shot. Mm. And then Phoenix, who's the babyface, if there is one in this, is going to take this match. Like, who's the hero in this match? The guy who has to win twice to get a shot that he's already been promised, or the guy who's just like, yeah, I'll fight my brother again. And I, yeah, he already beat me, um, and he hasn't got a shot, but you know. So, like, this is old school wrestling where the heel was always the one that had to go over, like, five obstacles while the babyface sits there and mocks them, you know. And we're seeing it again. Like, you know, maybe he wouldn't have blue mist in your face if in the last five weeks you gave him the title shot that he had earned. But. True, true. Yeah, we're, we're, we're way far away from when he actually earned that shot. So, uh, you know me, I'm a, I'm a heel sympathizer. I, I'm all about heel privilege. Um, you know, as they would say, as uh, yeah. CB Mac would say. So, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. <laughs> Maybe CB Mac can explain. Yeah, I'm sure it's. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. So if he's he got it chance. loaded up already, yeah. He keeps sending me like MJF stuff, uh, like little clips of stuff he's done, and talking to me about heel privilege and babyface privilege, and I love it, absolutely love it. So yeah, please. If, yeah, MJF is out of the closet heel privilege though, so that's like, you know, he's owning it. Well, that's been the disconnect this whole time. The heels are just doing yeah. what they say they will do. The babyfaces are saying they'll do one thing, then they do another. Yeah. And that's why we call them out. But that's not that doesn't translate to some people. So. Yeah. Because yeah, one might ask the question, why Swerve's walking around the back every fucking week when he's got a number one contender? He's not rustling. He's just always pacing around the back. Mm-hmm. You know, so give the man a shot. He doesn't have to blow mist in your face. And also, if I'm the world champion, you, you, you own this show condemn Nick Gallis for taking his embarrassment to an NWA camera. If I'm world champion and like Pentagon can't wrestle me now because he like kind of bested me and put me on the floor, put me at the sink, put me at the doctors. Am I sitting back and letting him wrestle Phoenix or do I want to take care of things myself? Sure. What's going on here? Come on, man, step up. But no, Instead, we're going to get the brothers wrestling again for the same title shot that five weeks ago they wrestled for. So that is how we start the show. That is the video, and that is where we're going. But because this is a wrestling show, MLW always giving us probably three matches or more on this one-hour show. Uh, we have Coto Brazil versus Trey Miguel. Uh, yep, yep, for sure. Uh, Trey Miguel um, is a guy I know uh, a little bit. Uh, I think he's a solid talent, not someone I'd necessarily run out to sign, but uh, I can see he could have some use. I think he's uh, associated with Impact Wrestling right now. Cody Brazil, uh, a guy I haven't seen before. Um, Tony says it's not the first time we've seen him in MLW. <laughs> and I want to say this. I get that there are other shows that MLW is doing, but I wish they would bear in mind more that yeah. a lot of us may only have access through YouTube, through Fusion. Give us a little more context. Don't just kind of assume that we know this I stuff. Agree. Yeah, so I, I do want to say that. I agree completely. Um, 
it's funny because I thought Trey Miguel when I first saw him, I, and I was like, this guy could this guy could interest me. And then it might be immaturity. I don't know, or I don't know. He maybe he's been around a while. I'm not looking him up because he's got to prove something first before I put time into him. But like he's trying a little too hard. And then you say he might be working for Impact. And right now, what's working for me in wrestling is that a lot of folks are really going to the promotion where I would place them. <laughs> so. Uh, the Fresh Prince of Midair, you know. I like that. Um. <laughs> I want to like it again because what he's putting himself out there is an MJF type, you know. Like he's he's way over the not the money, but that he's way over the top. He's way arrogant, and he's gonna show you these things. Mm. And you know, for me, they wrestled way too similar to be so different. <laughs> That's yeah, all. yeah, I can see that to a certain extent. Um. My takeaway uh, here is um, I thought Trey Miguel, uh, some of these dives were a little scary to me. So mm. I don't oh, yeah. um, I don't, we've never talked about this, but Aerostar is a guy a lot of people liked in Lucha Underground. And I kind of like him, but he terrifies me because I feel like he's about to kill himself like 50% of the time. So got a little of the same sense here with Trey Miguel. I thought the timing was a little weird, a little off at times. So, yeah, I don't know. This I, I thought this was an okay match, but it was a little strange to me. Yeah, I'm about a one out of ten for Aerostar, so okay. I'm starting, <laughs> I'm not know. that high on him either, to be honest. So I'm like, he just doesn't, especially in that promotion, because there's a lot of guys that can do what he can do, and then also, you know, either can do a lot more or were given the opportunity to do a lot more. I hope the but, one is for his like backstage character, because. Uh, he also was like, yeah, his, his backstage character made me sick in a way as far as, like, he just oh, kind of... Like, he's the reason Phoenix ended up like he did. That's true. You know, and he's just out there, like, meddling. Like, this is the this is the <laughs> height. We haven't talked a lot about babyface privilege and heel privilege and all that shit on this show, but, man, like, he's just... Let me show up and be a white knight do-gooder. Oh, I actually like, fucked up the world. Now it's all going to come to an end because I played with... Oh, well, you know... Like get it, get in your own goddamn lane and do something and stop. Just stop it. Sting, Sting is gonna show up and what? Like he's a that's Sting level stuff. Like Sting will show up and be like, yeah, man, he did the right thing. You know, yeah, I think he's lost his soul, but you know, you did the right thing. Want to go to church on Sunday? And then they'll go to church on Sunday. Oh. You know, but but Phoenix is still out there. You know, he's out there in a mess. Come on, man. This is great. I, I <laughs> deeply regret that we didn't get to do Lucha Underground the Legacy Series in real time. So, yeah. oh well, maybe someday we'll go back. <laughs> yes, sir. <sighs> I don't know what I have. I have missile drop kick type move, almost a slingshot, double stomp, and then I have something written about both of them, but I have no idea what my commentary is. <laughs> Fair enough. I don't, I'm not quite sure what all that is yeah. either. Uh, Trey Miguel does win with the double knees off the top. Uh, I got to say, I like Cotto Brazil more. Uh, I thought they were a little bit different, maybe a little more different than you saw them. Um, uh, yeah, it was decent, but it was definitely not my favorite match. So that's all I got to say, I guess. If I had to watch one of them again, it'd probably be Cotto Brazil. But I feel yeah. like the match was more showcasing uh, Trey Miguel. Oh, yeah. They definitely wanted me to walk away thinking more of Trey Miguel. But, you know, I, MLW hasn't always convinced me, uh, you know, with their narrative that I should do what they think I should do. So there you go. Okay, I figured out what the the comment is about. Okay. Oh, yeah? Okay. So I sympathize with Tony because I'm out there like this, too. So everything Tony says is like missile dropkick type move. <laughs> because he doesn't know what the move is, but it's like something he's seen before. And so I sympathize with that. But even Rich, who is there, then he's like almost a slingshot 
uh, double stomp. So even he at times is saying almost a something instead of what the move is or isn't. So there's just a lot of, I guess, a lot of variation out there. And it's um, it's a PWG world, honestly. I think the biggest influence PWG has had is uh, not just to, like, the, the pacing of the match, but it's the idea to go out there and innovate in real time, basically. Like, try to come up with new stuff a lot and see what works and see what doesn't. And sometimes that's good. Sometimes, you know, I think it can backfire. But uh, it, it makes things interesting, so it's got that going for it. Absolutely. Okay, so... The move with the knees to the the man laying down off the top rope, which is what he wins with, yep. is that a scene? Uh, oh man, I'm forgetting. I've seen that move. I've seen that. I'm sure you have. It's called a Meteora. It's been around for a while. Um, yeah, I'm not sure where you might have seen it specifically. Okay, that's his that's his finisher though. So we'll see. Or one of them. It's it's oh, hard to say. In fair this, enough. In the modern day. <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't know how much we'll see him again, but definitely getting the rub here. Yep. Uh, we go to Selena's home. Rich is there to have an interview with her. I'm uh, not really going the way I imagine Rich would want it to. Not getting a lot of answers. Very dismissive of him. She says, are you just going to follow me around like a puppy? And he <laughs> continues to yeah, follow her around like a puppy. She says uh, she's working on something with Telemundo. But not that I can tell you you're not there and then she sees that the man showed up with cat hair on his attire, and that is unacceptable. And you kind of know what's going to happen. There is a pool behind him, and I can't believe it did not happen with AEW only, I'm sure, because right. it was winter time. <laughs> but, you know, you know you know, somebody's going in that pool, and it was our man Rich. He goes into the pool. Then we see Selena also backstage straight into another promo where she rebukes uh, the woman holding the mic, whose name I don't know and who I don't think will be here eventually. Um, and then that's about that. But we find out this is a problem that I have because we also find out that she reps Pentagon and Phoenix, and mm-hmm. then Rich will say something like, "So she can't win, she can't lose either way." But by the time the match gets here, he'll say something that completely contradicts that. Yeah, that was one of my takeaways. I really want them to contextualize her stable better. Because right now, I don't have a clue what it is, what its goal is, if they work together, you know, why she has clients and she's, like, pitting them against each other. Is she just, like, default managing any Hispanic talent? You know, I don't know. I want more information about that because it seems interesting. And right now, I don't know anything. And it's not in a, like, we're keeping this from you kind of way. It's like we forgot to tell you kind of way. Yeah. So, yeah. I've seen quite a bit of that from them. <laughs> For sure. It's a, it's a gap, I think, in their production. Um, but, yeah, I like Selena. I like how she made Rich feel bad about his life. She did a good <laughs> job with that. And I like that someone went into the pool. And thank you. I forgot to say it before. On the episode, we talked about the rally, but I don't care what time of year it is. If you have a pool Freak. and you're wrestling rally, someone should go in the pool. Okay, that's all I got. Yeah, like, who the, what the hell are you, else you got it out there for? Right, right. Do it somewhere else if you're not going to use it. Don't. It, it's like Chekhov's pool. Come on. Yeah, right. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I think maybe somewhere, in, if that's close to the building, on maybe on Double or Nothing, someone needs to take someone out there and put them in the pool just for that. Yeah, just for that. Like, I agree. Yeah, this is for the other night. <laughs> Okay, so Lawler and Gotch are also in the pool together, and they're talking about Jimmy Havoc, and they beat they beat Jimmy Havoc down apparently, almost seemingly I think is the right word for no reason, and then they're kind of being consistently dismissive that you know it really won't about anything as much as just like they gave him what he needed. 
Yeah, he's like, well, I don't really care about him. He just came out, he bumped into me, I beat him up, it was easy, it was light work for me, just look at yeah. him, I'll do it again, you know? I don't care. Like I said, I like Tom Lawler, you know? I like, kind of like him the more I see him. I feel like he has a good grasp on who he is. Um, so, yeah, I want to see more for sure, but still very encouraged about Tom Lawler. Yeah, um, interesting. So I liked that approach, especially with the MMA background, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it really is... Some guy out there training to be a legit badass, and then someone else, you know, maybe out there like playing with a dead animal they found in the field, and you, <laughs> you, you know, well, that one group may not respect the other group, and I right, think they yeah. they have nothing but disdain for Jimmy Havoc. Yep. Okay, so now we got the Dirty Blondes taking on a tag team who we've seen wrestled in before, who are a combined weigh of three hundred and thirty six pounds. <laughs> <laughs> are they really good god i would have announced that but that you know we live there's nothing wrong with it and that's my bad again yeah, right, yeah it's just it's a little different world uh yeah yeah it's a match we've seen before it's a little different format now it is an elimination match uh which colonel parker explains to us for some reasons in case we didn't know what an elimination match was <laughs> um i just want to say I think AEW should consider at least signing all of these guys because uh, this match was pretty good. I'm just impressed with them in general. I liked Leo Bryan and his kind of like Dusty Rhodes vibe. Michael Patrick has grown on me. Uh, Utah and Cade, I think, both bring something to the table. Um, I like this. I thought it was pretty good. It's not the best we've seen, uh, but uh, I, I liked it a lot. I'm really enjoying. This is kind of one of the only real feuds that we've like gotten into so far, and I'm liking it so far. Yeah. I'm really liking the Dirty Blondes. I, Jimmy Utah, I, I got, I'm not sure. I'm on the fence with his existence. Okay, all right. <laughs> I'm trying my best because, you know, this, it's so weird to come into this world and to like. I feel like I make concessions, but even my concessions sometimes are not close to where everybody else already is. <laughs> and so he is one. Like, man, it's not like it's not like everybody has to look the same way, but you, you could try a little bit. Like you're the reason it's 336 pounds. Your partner's probably 200 of it. Holy smokes! All right, okay, all right. And then their feud, like I, maybe if you watched it more, it would be more entertaining. But I could not stand the way that it was done, where the little video came up, and they're just having like a yeah, we're gonna wrestle you guys today, and we're gonna win the match. And then the next, Jason, I guess, was like, well, as the uh, captain of the team, and I'm like, oh well, they're breaking up. But at least it'll be in a few weeks. I thought it was a little bit rushed the way that they moved into from that little statement to I can't stand you. No, I can't stand you. But you know, we're mad at each other. It does seem a little on the nose, but I will just say in their defense, it's not like they have a long history together. They don't even yeah. have a team name. So, you know, if they tried it out and it didn't work and they break up quickly, uh, you know, I'm okay with that. I would rather that than they were a team for a long time and then they suddenly broke up over some triviality. So. Yeah. This might be fun, though, with the Dirty Blondes. Having a team where every time they wrestle someone, the team almost breaks up because they, they, they do them so bad that they got to blame somebody. <laughs> cool. Uh, yeah, sure. I like it. Um, I don't know if you know the answer to this. Uh, you're not Google, but yeah, I just, I'm just asking because you're here. But uh, is this a move that a lot of people do, do, or is this a staple of some team? But where they do the suicide dive, but their partner's standing on the second rope and they do it between their partner's legs. Yeah, somebody does that. Probably a few people. I can't remember off the top of my head, honestly, but it's not unique to them, certainly. Okay. 
I feel like I've seen the machine guns do it. I'm not sure. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe I so. Could be a tribute. It really does a lot of X. It really adds to it in a, in a way that I don't understand, right? <laughs> okay, I'm done. Let's let's get to it. All right, cool. Um, yeah, the match itself is pretty straightforward. Like I said, I I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, Patrick pins Cade first, or no, pins Yuta first with a handful of tights, leaving Cade by himself. Uh, Cade, Cade impressed me. I thought he did some really good bumping, yeah. some nice flying around. I agree. Yep, he pins Patrick with the backslide driver, which is a solid move. Um, Leo Bryan is left in there with an load. I gotta say, I'm really liking Leo Bryan. For a guy I never heard of before, he's really mm. impressing me. Um, and in the end, Colonel Parker trips up Cade and distracts the referee, which lets, uh, Patrick come back in. They hit a double team and they beat Cade. They beat the team once again. So, yeah, pretty good. I thought it improved on their first match. It gave them, uh, kind of some stuff to build on further. I enjoyed it. Yeah, a couple of things I thought that were done really well is, I like uh, Yuta staying at ringside, not necessarily to set up that breakup, but I, you know, right. this is fucking Tony Schiavone, who is, uh, he's, this is five episodes in, he's close to the MVP of this thing, in my humble opinion. <laughs> but he, he says, the big disadvantage is going to be, if they if, if they lose a man, it's not two on one now, it's three on one, because you got Colonel Parker, and then when Yuta stays at ringside, he's like, I really like this, because I said earlier, you know, it's going to be three on one, and now it's not, and then, for Props to MLW and Tony and Rich because they mentioned it as well. But it was like Parker tripping the leg is how the match was won last time. So they go right back to that same well and Parker trips the leg. And that sends Yuta to the other side of the ring. And unfortunately, that distracts the referee. But at the same time, they they went back to the history of the feud. So that was nice. Yeah, absolutely so. Okay. And then in the back, um, they're they're talking to these two guys who lost. And they're a little pissed off. I thought, um, I think, um, Cade, yeah, Cade is going to be the heel, it looks like. But I thought Yuta was very dismissive of him because he was angry and then he's like, and he just kind of dismisses, dismisses that and shuts him down and tells them how it's going to be. Mm. And, yeah, I really can't tell yet which way it's going to go because, yeah, an interviewer is like, oh, you guys don't seem to be in sync. And Cade says, yes, we are in sync. And Yuta says, well, no, we weren't, but that's okay. We can disagree sometimes. That's fine. So. I don't know which one of those two things is more heelish. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think these two could have good matches together. I, I guess I get what you're saying with Utah, but uh, what uh, what I've seen from him tells me he's a very good technical wrestler, so I think that might be a way to overcome his uh, yeah. size difference. So we'll see. So I think it'd be interesting if someone you know, gave him some dumbbells and then, you know, you see <laughs> yeah. what just, just yeah. see what he can do. Gene Arkelin did it with Hogan. They they worked out together. Oh my. There you go. <laughs> okay, I think Cade will be the heel. I uh, because he's the one that said he was the captain, and then he's the one that got pinned. And like, I think his buddy's trying to help him, but what he's asking, he's distracting the referee, and maybe he's just gonna keep getting pissed off until. But you know, like you said, who knows? I guess we'll see. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think. For why um, why Pentagon is bad and uh, Phoenix is good. <laughs> And the, the the Pentagon reason is because he takes advantage of a situation. As we go into the second matchup between these two, when Pentagon has already beaten you and earned his title shot, and now you're trying to take the title shot from him when he still hasn't had it, but he takes advantage of situations. Yeah, apparently, you know, maybe that's what it takes to uh, to be 
the bad guy, or maybe it's just the guy dressed in black like a skeleton, and then the guy who's yeah. like doing moves to please the crowd is the good guy. Maybe it's this it guy. might be the guy dressed in black looking like a skeleton. <laughs> I wish I could get rid of his woo. I don't know when he started doing that, but he does There's a, a like, few things I'd get rid of in Pentagons. Yeah. He's picked up a few bad habits from the young. That movie. was also when I started thinking about Lucha Underground because mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff he didn't do in Lucha Underground. True. And I'm really, I'm thankful to you because you contextualized it in a way that works a little better for me because you pointed out this is exactly what Vampiro always like scolded him about. It's like, oh, you're doing these other things. You're playing to the crowd too much. And uh, I appreciate to a point that that's kind of like still the narrative, but also I'm worried it's not really the narrative. It was just an actual observation and it's just going to continue forever and there'll never be a payoff. Like he'll never get serious in the way I want him to, in the way he did sometimes in the Lucha Underground. So, I don't know. Maybe. We'll see. I agree. I have it somewhere in my notes for this match that what a world we live in and what a place with Lucha Underground mm-hmm. that a man playing a mentor to another character might have made the critique that in actual life will keep this man from ever being what he should be. That is some some layered shit right there. <laughs> no kidding. No kidding. Um, so we both noticed that a little bit. But I also want to say, you know, as much as it's sort of nonsense that they're running this match again, this match is awesome. Like, I had a great time with this yeah. match. And I got to say, I feel like Pentagon and Phoenix, you know, I've liked a lot of the people on the show. I haven't liked some people. But, man, when Pentagon and Phoenix come out, I'm like, oh, whoa, now – now we're seeing the stars, you know, honestly. These guys are like a million miles ahead of just about anyone else who's been booked in this whole company. So huge credit to them. Just amazing talents. Even if we can nitpick them, man, like these guys are just two of the best in the world. They really are. I believe that. Yeah, this is one thing. Whether This is just stepping back in observation. This is the Young Bucks line because when they come out, they really feel like they're they're just above everybody right now. And the Young Bucks is like, we've been there before, but this, these are the guys traveling everywhere. They're in the zone. They are the main attraction, and that's that's what they are. Yep, yep. Uh, Shane Strickland had a promo also. I wasn't even going to mention it that much. Okay. Yeah, Shane Strickland talks. He has a lack of depth perception, but he has a lot yeah. of confidence in being champion. He thinks being sneak attacked means Pentagon is intimidated by Swerve, which is so <laughs> stupid. Uh, he says he actually does have fear. He says Pentagon can decapitate him, but he can't take his heart. And I would like Pentagon to take him up on that, please. Yeah, so. <laughs> that was so stupid. If you if you cut all cut away all men's limbs, you know, are you still gonna be champion because your heart? That makes that, that makes no sense. He also, yes, you certainly do have a lack of depth perception, sir. Um, <laughs> I wrote that he's almost upset. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, not not much of an emoter um, yeah. is Shane Strickland. So. Maybe he just should be like a RVD guy and just be like, uh, I I like weed, you know, <laughs> I'm laid back. A Jeff Hardy, Maybe. like just yeah, no, I honestly, yeah, I get it. I don't think he should talk that much at all, honestly. So yeah, I don't yeah, know. yeah. Everybody doesn't need to. That's a, that's a great point. Like if you really want to AEW, if you want to nail this thing, then you know. This gets back to characters that like know who they are, but they all they all don't have to say it. Like maybe I am mad, but I, my way of showing it is not going out there and telling everybody I'm mad. 
Yep, that's part of why Killshot worked. You know, yes. that's part of why Prince Puma worked uh, so well in the first. You know, oh kind my of god, there. yeah. So Prince Puma versus uh, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Conan, shout out to season one. Sure, we're gonna see him eventually. I think you're yeah, gonna make me. Up. I think I'm gonna cry before the day is over. <laughs> my realization that I did actually like Lucha Underground is coming back to me. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I know we all had to deal with the grief in our own ways. Yeah. I just tried to – every time I thought of Lucha Underground for the last few months, I thought of Jack Swagger, and I said, Jack Swagger is Lucha Underground, Lucha Underground is Jack Swagger. Oh. But you have ripped away the, that very thin mask that is Jack Swagger. And I'm – okay, done. But, yeah, Lucha Underground, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Was it March 12th we're going to get we're gonna get some commentary? On Lucha Underground? I haven't heard that, but it could be okay. some. I think in the forum someone said someone's going either on a podcast or a show, and they're going to answer all your questions. At some point, yeah, Chris Joseph, I think, uh, the, the main booker, is going to come out and say some stuff. I don't know how official it'll be, but maybe it'll give us some insight. Yeah, okay. Uh, this matchup, if you feel like you've seen it before, in some ways it's because you have. <laughs> um, but, it kind of makes me wonder, like, if I was watching this in real time, I would be like... I don't know if Pentagon's going to become champion because maybe this will be a matchup you could have after he becomes champion. Why are we having it right now if he's just going to win again? So it would make me a little suspicious. But here they are, brother versus brother, one more time. I feel like if anything, they make Pentagon a little more dominant than he was last time. Mm. Yeah, but also maybe give a little more shine to Phoenix because I think uh, they kind of do the same ending sequence, but this time Phoenix kicks out yes. the first time and they, he has to do it again. So. Maybe a little extra shine on both. It is, to some extent, just the same match again. But, like I said, it's a really, really good match. Like, I had a great time watching it. So, on some level, I can't complain. But then I can't complain a little because I'm a wrestling fan. And what would I be without yes. complaining? I agree with all of that. And I felt the same way. You know, it's also not small when you get the this is awesome chant before you lock up just because you're in the building. Yeah, yeah. You know, so that's nice. And then a forearm exchange turns to a chopping exchange. I, then that's Pentagon's that woo that he does is just like contain yourself, sir. You have no business getting so excited. Like you make other. I wish he could separate the fact that he makes other people feel a type of way versus then you have to behave that type of way. Mm, yeah. You're not that kid in the crowd that you're exciting, right. and you you originally excited us for your lack of excitement. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So. Uh, yeah, I want that vicious uh, killer back for sure. Here's one thing that annoyed me in this match. I'm sorry, did I cut you off? No, okay. Here's what annoyed me in this match. It's a commentary thing. Mostly I like the commentary, but man, if you were sitting there asking, is Pentagon willing to break his brother's arm? I would please refer you back four weeks to when he already did that. So... Way too much talk about, oh, they're brothers. Will they hurt each other? They've been hurting each other this whole time. Pentagon, get in your head. He would break his mom's arm if she was in the way of getting what he wanted. That is who he is. I agree 1 million percent, and I take it even a step further because stop calling it breaking his arm if he did it to him a few weeks ago. He doesn't even have a cast on, and he does it in this matchup, and they they keep rustling. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't even – so – don't worry, he's not going to break. The answer is no, he won't break his arm. He'll just do the move that used to have that kind of heat to it when it was, again, when it was what? In Lucha Underground. Lucha Underground. Yep. Cool. I wish I could pay Vampiro 
just to run into arenas and when Pentagon gets out of pocket, just come in and slap him and run away. <laughs> oh, definitely the best use of Vampiro that I can think of. Yes. Very, very true. Oh, man. <sighs> I love the hamstring kicks. One thing I realized, as much as I complain about the excess that Pentagon, his moveset is just, like, locked. It's, yeah. Yeah, you don't, you don't even have to play with it. The moveset. Again, though, let it be... Let it breathe, let it stand on its own, because it will. Trust that. Yep. I don't know what I'll say here. You have to go back and re-earn it. Oh, that probably is the announcer. It's probably Rich saying that. That Yeah, Pentagon had to go back and re-earn his shot, and I marked the word re-earn. <laughs> so when did he unearn it? I know he did a thing that was, like, heelish. When he but, was naughty, he got it taken yeah. away from him, yeah. <laughs> but he, uh, he unearned, like, okay, so... That's also very insulting to Phoenix if, you know, like, beating Phoenix is a notch lower than, like, blowing uh, mist into your opponent's face. So don't don't say re- re-earn it. He was forced. He has to earn it a second time, even though he still has earned it. Yeah, it really doesn't make much sense uh, any way you look at it. Because, yeah. what, did blowing that mist make him a worse wrestler? Will he now yeah. lose to Phoenix, who he just beat? You know, it doesn't really make any sense. And did it make Phoenix more worthy? Because, you know, he had a shot. Yeah. Here's where, yeah, again, we have another week with no top ten, no mention of it. Who, who you can't tell me Penta and Phoenix were number one and two because Phoenix hasn't won any matches yet. Preach. So who is number two? You know, let them have the match. Let them get the shot. Yeah, it should be all those guys that wrestle every week, whether I want them to or not. It should have been one of them. For sure, yeah. Just, just to be in line with everything. Yeah, come on. Then I got pissed off because in a commercial for coming to New York, uh, there are three people. We saw it last week as well. And... It's uh, the owner, and it's uh, the world champion, and it's Barrington Hughes, and they're like, uh, they name two people, and then they say, and company, among others. And the only among others is Barrington Hughes, who you won't put on TV, who uh, is begging you for better opponents. So, you know, what's going on there, sirs? (laughs) Don't do it. Every time I try to induct someone new into the Elegante uh, um, Big Josh, <laughs> so on and so forth, the world, they stifle it. I, I have faith eventually that we'll see this man again. This is bad because I do like the announcing um, a lot of times, but then like I'm just reading my notes, and the next thing I got is, this is why I mentioned earlier, Rich says, what would it mean for Selena's empire if Pentagon loses? Well, last time earlier in the show, you told me that she is working for both of these guys are working with her and she wins either way. Right. Yeah, it doesn't seem. I, yeah, I don't know what Selena's purpose is out here. I said my first note is like, I wonder if Selena is going to get dumped in this match or something. But no, mm. nothing really nothing happened at all with her. So, you know, do more with this character. She seems interesting. But right now, I don't really know what she's about. Um, so, yeah, that that would be a nice thing to have. Yeah. Okay, so here's a question that I had, and I'll run it by you, and you tell me what you think. Right. Can you make a big enough deal out of this? What does it mean when two brothers, like this is a big fucking world, yep. and two brothers become the best in the world at something together? Mm. So WrestleMania 10, I, so many people, best match on the card, Bret Hart versus Owen Hart. Yep, agreed. You know, two brothers happen to have the best match that WWF and WrestleMania can put forth. The Steiner brothers, for a long time, to a lot of people, were the best tag team in the world. Sure. P- Pentagon and uh, Phoenix are kind of like these lucha guys right now that 
not just wrestling, but status, you can put them anywhere, and they're maybe the biggest attraction. Like, how do you emphasize what a big deal that is when two brothers are owning it like that? Mm. Uh I don't know. If that's the question to me, then I, I don't know how you do it more. It's like, there's certainly a way off the top of my head. I don't know. What would you do? I don't know, but it's just, I, it's, it's so, un, I just don't think that anyone has grasped, like we don't, I don't think we talk about the unlikeliness of that enough. True. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about that. Like what a ridiculously talented family these yeah. guys came from, you know, to have two brothers of such unbelievable talent. I imagine them coming in on like the first day of training is like, oh well, two guys, they're brothers. One of them will probably suck, you know. Maybe well, the other one will like be a good. Frog. They're both amazing, you know. How do you? That's that's really incredible. So, um, I think why I'm struggling is because like, what do you do? You either have them team or you have them fight each other. But they've yeah. both done that so much now that it's sort of lost its meaning. So honestly, what I would do is separate them for a while, you know, yeah. let them do their own things. Bring them back later together when they've kind of diverged a little bit. And then, uh, you know, because it's really fun to watch them fight or team, but it doesn't mean as much as it would have at one time. And I think it can mean that again, but you yeah. got to give it some space. Yeah, I think the older I get, I just appreciate, like, I think, like, for, for four, five, six months, WWF ran its fucking company on Bret Hart versus Owen Hart matches. Right. You know, they have access to just about anybody. And so I was just sitting back thinking, how hard is it for one person to make it in a business like that and then to make it and to make it as main event stars? Yeah. You know, it's, it just it needs to be it needs to be appreciated. And, you know, if Owen Hart had lived like the ridiculousness of what Brandon Owen would have contributed together is even beyond what they did, yeah. you know, and then the Steiner brothers. And others, and again, it could be anything, but like, I guess it also comes back to that big question mark between AEW, WWE, wrestling for everybody, wrestling for one company is, what are these guys going to do in the sport? Like, you know, they're still early on. They either could be like, oh man, they really had it, but they never achieved at that level, or they might blow our minds in all contexts for what they accomplished. So it's just it's it's, it's it's early on, man. But there's a story, and it's one of the only people I just wish I could pull aside and say, please make really smart decisions every time you make a decision because it matters for yourself and the wrestling world. Oh, for sure. I know it means a lot to you in particular. I know uh, you want to go back to Lex Luger and Tom. Don't wave that flag, you know. Don't uh, yeah, don't no. do this. Don't do that, you know. So it, we know what can happen. Yeah. You know, your narrative could be could be shit. Uh, in years down the line, if you make the wrong choice, it, it's tough. You know, I don't envy anybody having that pressure because you might do one thing and you think it's the right thing yes. and then it was the wrong thing. So it's really tough. A million percent. You know, like what people tell these guys, you know, what WWE is going to promise, what AEW is going to promise. Pentagon was pretty, uh, not Pentagon, Phoenix was pretty, like he didn't rule out anything, but he liked being able to wrestle in a lot of places. He did not like that WWE would mean shutting down all of that. So right. who knows? But they're also, they're big, man, I can't remember the list now, but almost every one of Pentagon's favorite wrestlers are WWE guys. So like Shawn Michaels, mm. uh, I can't remember who else. Maybe fucking Ultimate Warrior for all I remember. 
Okay. You know, but it was a very WWF centric. So who knows? But man, this match, um, again, you're you're right. A very good analysis that they go through kind of the same um, ending, but this time, uh, Phoenix it takes an additional move, an additional package pile driver. So yeah, Phoenix gets a little bit of a build. Pentagon does still wins the matchup, and we know what that means. And it's next week, ladies and gentlemen. It's going to be Shane Strickland if he can see to get his way to the ring because, God damn, that missed. Versus uh, the challenger who earned the shot on week one of MLW Fusion, Pentagon. They're wrestling for the belt next week. Yep, I'm excited to see it. I hope it's good. Uh, like I said, i got some hopes about it, but I'm not going to stay married to him either because uh, it could go a number of different ways. We are really close to the three-hour mark, so if you don't have anything else, I think it's time to wrap up. All right, most excellent. Thank you to anyone who has listened to this whole show. We had a great time making it. We hope you really enjoyed listening to it. If you want to shout us out, I am on Twitter. I am at SpectralGent. Give me some comments. Uh, You can also comment on LOPForums.com. We have a thread there. Like the man said, we're trying to get on the main page. Uh, Slight technical difficulty with that, but it's all good. Uh, please check out the other programs on LOPR. I mentioned uh, a lot of them earlier in the show. And uh, like I said, LOPforums.com, Lords of Pain, that night. A lot of great written material. Come join the conversation. That's everything I got. We're going to be back next week with another, I'm sure, ridiculously jam-packed show. So <laughs> we will see you then. Yes, yes, yes. Until next time, when Pentagon challenges for the MLW title, don't let the legacy be dictated to you. Rewatch, revisit, rewrite. I saw an undiscovered creature Climbing on the mountainside You know that no one else believed me How about that? And white stripes and salted tears I knew that these were just its cautionary features Keep telling myself nothing to fear It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared the undiscovered creature The undiscovered creature I never saw this one in books or heard a myth of it Looks like it came from underwater I thought I'd seen every life form But there it is An undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya, he's the one that's scared It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya, he's the one that's scared The undiscovered creature Stripes and salted tears I knew that these were just its cautionary features
keep telling myself nothing to fear It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared The undiscovered creature As your interior designer, I'm saying do everything in black. Walls, sofa, carpet, goldfish, everything. Um, can we not have a bit of color? Maybe one tiny highlight in Battleship Grey. It's your home, so you should be in charge. With Avancard's flexible home improvement loan, you are. You can choose any repayment period that works best for you up to 84 months. That's seven years. Find out more at avancard.ie. Lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. New applications only. Seven-year term applies to minimum loan value of €20,000. Avancard DAC trading as Avancard is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland.